G'day and welcome to Kraken Cast, now with more Krakens. <laughs> this is the Oceanic branch of Vassals of Kingsgrave's Game of Thrones review series. Today we'll be discussing episode 3 of season 8 entitled The Long Night, written by David Benioff and D.B. Weiss and directed by Miguel Sapochnik. My name is David, David HHH on the forums, and today I'm joined by Duncan, who's back from vacation in the U.S., where I had the pleasure of meeting him and other vassals in New York City. Duncan? Yes, I'm back. Uh, a little shaky, but raring to go. And my name on the forums is Valkyrist. Sarah? Uh, hi, it's Sarah, a.k.a. Lady Weaver on the forums. Bang? Hi, uh, this is Shushan on the forums. Neil? Blair and Neil on the forums. And Abby? Uh, hi, JC Mormont on the forums. And we may have a possible cameo by Dana, Tyne Dana on the forums a little later. We'll see. Just so we know, uh, Duncan just arrived home from a trip around the U.S. where he met a whole bunch of vassals in New York City, L.A., and Ice and Fire Con. Was that most of your moots there? Um, yeah, we had one in New York, uh, a couple in L.A. because Bina was around there as well. So I met okay. up with her. And um, yeah, D.C. There was a bunch of people in D.C. Oh, that I met up with, including including Casey. Oh. And then I got a, I got a lift uh, to Ice and Fire Con where I met heaps more cool. vassals and heaps more people in the community. Um but uh, we'll be doing a, a recap of Ice and Fire Con this weekend, so I'll, we'll go into it in, in way more depth. Uh, yeah, and we'll talk maybe a little bit about it in the after show, but I just wanted to make a little note there that he's back, Duncan, and he'll be hosting the rest of these, I believe, right, Duncan? Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I should point out, I, I literally just arrived off the plane from America a few hours ago, um, so my like, energy levels are going to be pretty low. But um, this is an interesting. This is a great episode to talk about. I think for lots exactly. of different reasons. I know. I'm, I'm waiting to hear, to hear your guys' thoughts. But yeah, from uh, episode four onwards, I, I'll I'll, right. I'll take the reins back again. And but I, thanks for thanks thanks for holding things over, David <laughs> and Sarah. Well, I've been gone. I appreciate it. I know. I'm waiting to hear what you said because we got a little sneak preview in the uh, in the little immediate aftercast that was happening when you guys crashed from Ice and Firecon. So right, yeah. In any yeah, case, yeah. so this this episode featured the long-awaited battle with the White Walkers. It got 12.02 million immediate viewers in the U.S. and broke HBO records with 17.8 million viewers by the next morning, beating the previous record holder, which was this season's premiere. That only includes some of the streaming viewers, though, and not on some of the other platforms like Amazon and Hulu. It was also the most tweeted television episode of all time. I know that my social media was all lit up, lit up about it for days before and after about it. Um, it seemed like the ultimate nerd weekend, right? With uh, one of the biggest event television episodes in recent times, and also the biggest movie opening weekend ever with Avengers Endgame, which raked in over $1.2 billion by the end of its first weekend. And it was also the first time my HBO Now had trouble connecting, so, oh well. What did you guys think? Was this like, did this just feel like such a huge cultural moment this whole season? We've been talking about this a little bit, but I think this episode and with Endgame was probably super annoying if you didn't watch it straight away or weren't able yeah. to. Like, it would have been an awful weekend. Right. Like, I know I watched this episode on Tuesday night, our time. So that's um, Tuesday morning, um, mm. American time. So I've been like, and all of the show chats or everything I've turned off the notifications on Skype and I'm just like I'm not looking at the internet I will not be spoiled like yeah be quiet about it don't tell me yeah don't go we on are, Facebook 
we arrived back from Ice and Firecon like an hour after the episode had air, uh, and we sort of checked. We checked Skype, and there was already ninety nine plus messages on oh, there, yeah. so we had to yep. like restrain yep. ourselves from checking. But it seemed like mm-hmm. yeah, a lot yeah. of people were talking about it, and even just in media in America, mm-hmm. it seems like yeah. Game of Thrones is worked into every conversation, whether it's like sports or yep. advertising or just mm-hmm. anything. They use Game of Thrones as a cultural reference. It's just ever present. It's on the tip of everyone's tongue. Yeah. I just felt really bad because um, my friend's HBO cut out like halfway through the episode. Uh, and so like we were in a group chat talking about it. And then um, I spoiled something oh, and she got really uh, mad because I, I didn't realize that her HBO had cut out. So like, uh, yeah, it was like even as the episode was airing, there were spoilers mm-hmm. basically. <laughs> yep. Interestingly, this is the first episode that I don't think actually did leak onto the internet beforehand, so we didn't have to worry about those spoilers. Uh, there were some rumors I was when I was Ubering home from work, rushing to get home to make it, and I just made it, and then my HBO didn't kick in, and I was like, Duh! so I was a few minutes behind, but I managed to keep up with it. But um, as I was coming, I was looking, and like there were some rumors of some leaks in Spain or elsewhere. But luckily, this one didn't appear to actually leak. So that's nice, at least. For once, first one of the season. <laughs> Thanks, HBO. <laughs> so let's, um, let's jump in with our lemon cake ratings. Who wants to go first? This is a tough one. I can go first. Um, so, yeah, I agree. This is a tough episode to review because watching it, I felt really absorbed in what I was seeing, but also continuously frustrated. Yeah. Um, I think... The episode generated really great tension and some really uh, emotionally impactful moments, but it was frequently incomprehensible, both visually (laughs) and narratively. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like the plot armor thing really rose to an almost absurd degree (laughs) throughout this episode as we watched characters literally being buried in enemies in one moment and then as soon as it cuts back they're fine or they've fought off like you know waves and waves of enemies kind of breaks the suspension of disbelief um i think the final sequence was genuinely shocking and um me and the people i was watching it the other vassals were really sort of astonished by what we you know we we cried out in astonishment about what we were seeing um, but possibly not necessarily for the reasons the showrunners <laughs> intended. Um, but we can get into that when the scene sure. comes up. But um, overall, it's really hard to rate because like some some scenes I'd give one, some scenes I'd give four. So I might just yeah. split the difference and give it a, a two and a half lemon cakes. So it's hmm, somewhere between uh, three and a four. Cool. I mean, I don't think this was as bad as, say, uh, the the Frozen Lake catastrophe mm-hmm. of uh, of seasons of last season. Mm-hmm. I feel like while you were watching, a lot of the scenes were a lot more uh, absorbing, like Duncan said. Um, I've long since given up trying to uh, make sense. <laughs> Of of the writing <laughs> at this point, so uh, I went with I basically just went with uh, what, what was going on for a lot of it, and it was really really until the end in which I in which I really started having this sort of the, the same question marks as I did about what I mean what was going on. Um, well, it was really until the end when I really started thinking again. <laughs> the show forced me to start thinking again. I think most of it was fine. Uh, I think there were some really cool moments, and I think. It, this is just what Game of Thrones is at this point, and this is the at least the, ver- the better version of Game of Thrones. It's the more entertaining version of Game of Thrones. Yeah, I have a lot less hate towards this season so far than I did last season, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's because I'm resigned to it, but 
I'd give this episode three, three and a half, because, I'm sorry, it always annoys me so much when there are, like, very silly tactical decisions made Mm. in movies, and this one had a lot that I was just like, you're so stupid, you're stupid, you're stupid, so I can't really give it a super high score when I'm that angry or annoyed watching it. Yeah, I I think I'm a two and a half, a three, because I, mm. I definitely had, like, an emotional reaction while I was watching it. Like, I, I felt my body having, like, an anxiety attack during the first probably half of it. But I also was, like, half the time I was like, is is this person dead? Is this person alive? Like, yeah. who is fighting who? Um, also, I was watching with someone who had never seen the show before and was talking the entire time oh no and being no. yeah that was that was the time so like that might have impacted it but um yeah anytime there wasn't dialogue i was kind of really feeling it and then like someone would talk and i'd kind of be like the dialogue is so bad um but overall i mean it was it was okay i, I have to i've only seen it once and so i, I probably need to rewatch it but it, it gets a passing grade <laughs> i guess so it's two and a half three <laughs> five I go. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. After the initial shock of Arya being the one delivering the blow, yeah, <laughs> uh, I've come to grips with it, and I actually kind of like it, and I I think it is a nice surprise. And yeah, as, as far as the lighting, you know, I I watched it in the dark, and I had my phone off, and yeah, I, I kind of liked that it was confusing, you know, like the kind of fog of war type of thing they were going for um but yeah it, sometimes it was a little frustrating that's you know obvious but no i i loved it and i'm you know i've watched it again and yeah i'm i'm back in it five for me <laughs> cool i'm so torn on this like it depends on which moment you asked me like immediately after watching it after i thought about it for a while after i heard from others after i watched some of the like making of stuff and then i just rewatched it immediately before this uh this recording and you know it's when my boss at work said he loved it a lot more the second time and and i have mm. to agree like the first time i was like freaking out and whatever and part of it i, I don't think it helped i probably drank a little too much so it made it harder to understand watching it the second time i understood more of what was going on and i appreciated it and i really enjoyed it a lot more just now so my rating in just like the last two hours has gone up probably a full point so i'm gonna go four and a half maybe even four and three quarters it's not perfect but it's probably the best battle we're ever gonna see on television and and i loved it Let's address the elephant in the room here, that dark lighting. So, a lot of people didn't like it. People on the internet were complaining, saying they didn't see it. They were all memes. There was one meme of a black <laughs> a black square, and it said, my favorite scene from this episode. <laughs> um, did it work for you? I mean, I, I understand that it what they were going for. They were clearly going for, ooh, it's tough to uh, see what's going on. It's tough to understand. It's a crazy battle and it's dark and it's night and and we have snow and, you know, all that stuff. But was it a good narrative and directorial choice or did it just screw it up for you? What do you think? I've heard an explanation of why it might have been super dark um, on Fandom Entertainment. So, mm-hmm. like, Screen Junkie News. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan Merle put forward a possible explanation is when they were color correcting it you don't actually compress the files so when they were color correcting it on their screens it 
could have looked absolutely perfect, but compressing the files to be able to be streamed and to be aired on network TV, it changes it and um, mm-hmm. it like, shrinks the black. So it means like your colors don't quite look the same. Mm-hmm. And for normal shows, which are very brightly lit, it doesn't make that much difference. Mm-hmm. But with Game of Thrones, it is tends to be rather dark before anything else happens. <laughs> yeah. And that could be why. Mm-hmm. I think the, well, I mean, they were going for the sort of cinematic right. uh, experience. And I feel like if this was actually shown in a, like a cinema, it would have been a lot better. As it is, I think, I feel like, I mean, at the very least, the atmosphere thing was there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So the, I don't think it was a complete failure. And, and I mean, I think they, this comes with the problem of people, like you said, this is one of the biggest television events. And mm-hmm. you have actually a lot of people who probably never watched that many Game of Thrones, that much Game of Thrones, suddenly watching for, just for this episode because of all the hype around it. And and then there's this is their reaction because this is not the first time in which this has happened, right? This was, I think, the worst, though. I think. Is it really the worst compared to uh, the Battle of the Wall? I I definitely had more trouble the first time, at least. Yeah, maybe. But whatever. Um, yeah. And uh, I've never I, heard I, everyone talk about it like this before. Like everyone what? was talking about it. every review, every social media, every every time someone posted something on social media, there were comments under it. Yeah, but I couldn't see it or things like that. Like I've never seen it Look- like this before. Lots of people used to complain about all of the Danish scenes being super dark mm-hmm. as well, ages ago. It could also be just more people watching. I will say this, though, having just rewatched it, my first time I watched it on my regular TV, um, this time because I was taking notes and, you know, trying to be diligent, I watched it on my computer monitor, which is much sharper. And I'll have to say it was much clearer. So it might depend on your TV and your settings and all that, because I definitely this second time had very little problem seeing everything. And maybe I was just closer and paying more attention and, and more sober. But <laughs> or I don't know, but it, I definitely didn't have as much of a problem on my sharp PC monitor. So I don't know if that's part of it. How about the rest of you? Did you, I could think, you see it? I think I think also it, it might be um, the costuming for this, uh, for, like the later seasons, especially this season, is like super dark. Like um, in the first couple seasons, I think they tried to stick more with like the house colors, which allow for you to be more identifiable, I guess. And so like now everyone is wearing black, and like when you have everyone wearing black, like you can't tell who is fighting who, and um, that also just makes it so much harder to like see what's going on. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's a good point. Everybody's in the Night's Watch at this point, right? Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, I liked the choice they made. I'm watching it on my uh, computer monitor now, and it is a little brighter than on my TV. Um, but I love the choice that they made. Um, I, I know it's not for everybody, <laughs> as uh, we've heard through the reviews, but um, I, I loved it. It was uh, confusing but it was also scary and i guess you know i've never been in any sort of battle or trauma like this and i i bet it is confusing and hard to see and in just sort of a mess like this was but i felt it was great yeah i mean it was definitely a narrative choice i mean we're going with a battle unlike any that's ever been had and even in the real world i mean because battles in general would be chaotic if you're not dealing with you know artillery you know in the in the old days other than the dragons, of course. But, you know, you've got this whole 
undead swarms just coming on you, and that's gonna be chaotic. So, I mean, it's clearly that's what they were going for. The question is, did it work for everyone, or was it just maybe a bad choice? I know my first time watching it, I was like, I have no idea what's even going on. But I wonder if people's reactions will change after they watch it and know what they're watching more. I don't know. Do you really need to see everything? <laughs> maybe not. Do you really need to? Because, I mean... It's is is it that hard to just sort of fill in the blanks about what's and I mean it's not there's not that many actually seeing the physical combat is that really that much better than just seeing sort of this, this spark in and in and out. Um, I feel like it was much more effective just not being able to see everything. It's fair enough. I mean that's what they were going for certainly. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean I think darkness can be used really effectively in battle in terms of creating a sense of like negation and paranoia and like the disorientation and the fog of war i think that can be really done well done but if you don't really know what's happening or if you can't follow the sort of sequence of events or understand like the sort of spatial geography to the point where you're where you're left kind of confused Mm -hmm. and um and not in the way that the showrunners intended i think i think that's a problem Mm -hmm. i don't know i probably mean i have only watched it once um but I just remember asking what's happening more than mm-hmm. more than actually being in the moment. Yep. I don't know. Like some scenes were fine, but other scenes. So like when they're flying through, the two dragons are flying through the the fog. Like that's meant to be confusing. Like that's right. meant to like take on right. the disorientation of Daenerys, sort of being in this tumult of war and and violence and whatever, and and being sort of for the first time confronted with a threat that she that is actually worthy of a dragon like because she's not used to that she's the dragon's usually the sort of the the trump card but now it's actually um almost on like an even even battlefield when you're confronting like a force of nature but when it's characters kind of moving through this like haze of bodies and you you don't know which character's which and i don't know i just i felt it it could have been lit better even like use Mm -hmm. darkness as you can but light it in a way that's comprehensible because you've poured mm-hmm. so much into this like right. obviously <laughs> so much has gone into this why not like sh- show us it in a way that we can follow and, and really appreciate the detail and the complexity of the choreography fair points it'll be interesting to see if people's feelings on it change on rewatching, but i guess the time will tell on that we'll start briefly with since i mentioned it in the first episode the credits there was some talk of it changing, and all that really changed was they added the spikes in the trenches around Winterfell. Otherwise, it's pretty much the same as the last two weeks. Okay, so let's move into the actual episode. So we're going to talk mostly now about the first half hour or so, the preparations, uh, the last preparations for war. Everyone gets into their places. Melisandre arrives alone. Um, she lights the Arax and swords on fire. Dothraki charge the enemy, and most of them disappear, but a few people randomly run back. The dead attack in huge numbers. Danny mounts Drogon and attacks the dead, and Jon follows. Arya sends Sansa down into the crypts. Ed dies saving Sam, who runs. Um, Sansa and Tyrion go into the crypts with the women and children, and Varys. <laughs> the fighters fall back into Winterfell as Grey Worm and the Unsullied hold the lines. And let's leave it from there. Uh, can I ask, where did Malisandro come from? <laughs> well, that's a good question. <laughs> you know, I was expecting her to come in with a whole lot more people, weren't you? Like, I was thinking she was going to bring, like, a whole bunch of other R'hllor followers or other priests, and she didn't. 
I just don't understand how she got through the um, <laughs> yeah. army of the dead, but, but I, I mean, I, I liked it, her coming. I was not expecting to see her again, honestly. And I, when, when the, her horse showed up, I was jokingly like, is that Stannis? And then it was yeah. Melisandre. <laughs> and so I was like, I mean, okay. <laughs> I just found it so random. Like if they're going to yeah. introduce her, introduce her in the previous episode, like yeah. on the, on the very, in the oh. midst of battle, she's come waltzing up. And why does Jorah, like, let her approach the soldiers? Why does he assume she's a friend? Have they ever met? That was just really weird. Mm-hmm. But yeah. she's human and not undead. So, mm-hmm. obviously, mm-hmm. she's on their side. Yeah. Obviously. I, I knew she was going to be coming to the rescue, but I figured it would be later in the episode and maybe even be that, you know, the deus ex machina we've had in every other major battle just about. But I mean, we knew she, I knew she was going to be in because she said she had to come back and die in Westeros. And let's face it, it wouldn't make sense for her to come back after the battle with the undead because that's kind of what she's been here for all this time, right? I mean, I guess. Uh, <laughs> what did What did she do though? Yeah. Well, that's something I was going to actually ask later, but we that's we can bring that up right now. I mean, what did she do? She lit up lots of stuff that ended up being ineffective. I mean, she lit the Eriks up, but then they all died. She she lit the trenches, and then the dead climbed over them. So really, the only thing she did was come and give Arya a pep talk. Really, right? <laughs> Which right. was effective. I, I, so. I mean, I thought. Oh, sorry. Uh, well, I think that. That could maybe work. I just don't understand why she's introduced now and not prior to now. It, it just seemed really weird to do it during the battle. Maybe if she'd come back early, they wouldn't have accepted her. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Like, now we don't yeah. have any choice. They're here. Let's do it. She's on the battlefield. What are you going to do, kill her? <laughs> I just, I feel like maybe. she could have been used better narratively. Like, mm-hmm. I really wanted her to, like, I just feel like her, she didn't get justice i guess and so like there's there were so many opportunities where she could have had like a a nice like poetic downfall like i wanted her to light herself on fire to like sacrifice herself you know and like yeah i thought that that would have been really there's so many moments where that would have been like a good um narrative choice and they just didn't do it so i just feel like they 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 were smart to bring her back but not they didn't use her in a in a in a effectual way yeah i thought she was I thought she was going to like resurrect people or something. Mm-hmm. It seemed yeah. to be uh, it seemed to be she was like guiding Arya though because she makes right. a few sly comments and mm-hmm. I didn't real I didn't sort of catch it on the first um, watch through, but I, I sort of realized that afterwards right. that she actually kind of guides her towards right. assassinating the Night's King. I guess yeah. right. She even she has the whole comment. We can talk about it later when it comes up. But she has the yeah. whole comment about you. So you did the eyes, the brown eyes, and the green eyes, and the blue eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was the big like, hey, you're gonna kill like right. undead people, right. right? But with Mel walking in, it did fix the one thing that pissed me off the most, or one of the most, was how they had all of their soldiers outside their walls. So if they get mm-hmm. turned, which they are more likely to, they don't have anything to break the undead on right up until the last bit. So like. They're just going to be swept up by mm. the whites when they come along. Yeah. And we- they had hardly any fires as well, and it wasn't like any of the soldiers had fires, which you need to kill the undead. You can set them on fire. When your own right. people fall and die, they will be turned. You don't have anything to stop them from turning, a.k.a. burning their bodies. Like, what the hell do you think is going to happen? And when Mel came right. up and lit that Arox on fire, and I'm like... Well, at least she's thinking smartly because, right. like, someone is. For God's sake, like whoever was 
doing like planning the whole battle is a fucking idiot. Sorry. Yeah. But I, I, I don't really under, I don't really understand what their strategy is at all. Like yeah. I feel there like they couldn't none. Right. They couldn't have figured yeah. out a better way of like minimalizing the effectiveness of their forces yeah, by right. putting the yeah. catapults in front of the army rather than in the in the what, fortress where they Yeah, could be yeah, yeah. What was the Dothraki? What was the Dothraki doing? Why did they have all of them outside the walls instead of inside their walls yeah. so actually have the siege? Or have like it. the only well, people I'm that really so. couldn't would be your cavalry. Or why wouldn't Danny go after the the White Walkers with her fire before you send all of her people in? I don't know. I mean, I I, I feel like if we try to analyze the actual war strategy here, we're just going to be banging. We're going to be very disappointed. And 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 I but mean, I, is, and I know it. No, no, no. I thing. I get it. I mean, I think I think none of it makes any sense. So if you try to look at it carefully, kind of like that sixth episode that that we've that Bring already mentioned, is that if you really look at it, it makes no sense. So I'm I'm gonna just enjoy the episode, and and yeah, but, we don't have to because that's what we do. We look at these things, but but this I is what's confusing. <laughs> they put so much effort into the choreography and the armies and the armor and the structures. Mm-hmm. Why not hire I don't know a military historian or a right. military strategist to design an interesting battle? Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair point. To, totally I fair. Think, oh, anything strategic, I, I think, tactical. Anything. I think the Dothraki on the front, like it kind of made sense. Like I, I don't remember if this is mentioned in the show, but like I'm pretty sure in the books, like a lot of their like RX are like made of like Valyrian steel or something. So like mm. they it, it kind of makes sense. And the fact that like in the books, um, you know how like uh with uh Stannis and everything, like they're not equipped for the winter, and so like I figured like they put them on the front line because, like, they're not equipped for the winter. So, like, if if they did survive, like, the um, the th- they wouldn't have a longer life span. I don't know, like, like just um, in terms of a uh, like effectiveness, like cost effectiveness, I guess, of the the people on the front lines or all the people that were like more from uh, warmer climates and therefore like more less equipped to like last and endure, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's hard to design an effective strategy against, like, demons because you're not right. sure what they're <laughs> capable of. But it, you think, like, you think, like, hung, you know, uh, settling in for a siege would be maybe more effective. Um, I don't know, against, like, infantrymen that aren't really particularly smart and you might be able to just, like, rain fire down on them but actually sending your troops into the mass of you know yeah a, a mass of sense. dead people that are 20 times your size seems like a, an effective way of you know like thinning your ranks right i mean i i feel like most of the decisions they made tactically were not tactical they were what would make for these moments we want to have in the episode like it or not it was a great moment when the when the dothraki go out and you see those lights going out and then they go into the darkness and one by one the lights start to disappear and you start to hear screaming and and growling and all that and then they start to come back like that was really great television even if it made no sense at all yeah again (laughs) one of those it kind of looked cool until you start thinking about it. It's like, why do they right. just kill all these people for no good reason? <laughs> like that whole battle last season. <laughs> I mean, uh, it was great. It, it, it's better than, than the, that whole battle last season. Okay. 
<laughs> but but in the same way is what I'm getting at. It's you know it, it's weird. It makes no sense. But it looked really cool and it made for a good moment. And and I think a lot of the moments in this battle were that. I mean, one of the arguments I know in one of the after the episode things, or I forget which one of the two. I watched them both. There was uh, they talked about one of the things is that when the Dothraki are pretty much decimated, that is what sets. Danny off to take off on her uh, take off on Drogon even though that's not what the plan was so she gets angry and takes off which then you know John goes after her so it's kind of like you know with the um with the battle for Winterfell a couple of seasons ago where we had a great plan and then John fucks it up by you know by taking off because he's angry about Rickon that's kind of what happened here so so once they all died the whole plan went to shit <laughs> And that's what they wanted, whether it was a good idea, you know, whatever. <laughs> I, I want to see good drama. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not here for a history lesson on how militaries should operate. You know, mm-hmm. I want good moments. And I thought that was a great moment. I was mm-hmm. I was happy to see Melisandre give you a little light of hope that she was going to do something. Literally. When they're just storming through with the flaming Arax. And and then and then and then I thought it was effective when they all died because you're like oh this is gonna be great we got hope and then like oh shit then you know the doom and the dread yeah I I guess it's how much you can stand as far as the non reality moments of it mm-hmm. it kind of drives me nuts uh, like watching the Avengers and um, I'm not gonna talk about <laughs> Endgame but just yep. it just in, even in the first one where the they're all fighting. I'm like, Thor should be able to kill all these guys. Why? Why is right. why is Cap getting off punches on Thor? That makes no sense. But you know, I guess it's as much as you can stomach her here. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, are you there for the moments or are you there for the the? Well, he shouldn't be punching that guy. And yeah, you know, it's so I don't. Mm-hmm. Know. It worked it, for me. It least. depends on what you what your expectation of this show is. If your expectation, it's it's a fun time. If it, it is just a fun time, um, yeah. It, I feel like the an August movie almost is like uh, Independence Day, <laughs> <laughs> even up until the very end, the ending. Um, but I mean, it's fun. I feel like the difference is maybe Game of Thrones presented itself as having some basis mm-hmm. in like gritty medieval history and. Yep. Uh, subverting expectations about the heroes always winning through luck and through righteousness, that there has to be some measure of like discipline and in- military intelligence and, and cunning and planning in place. Mm-hmm. You yeah. can't just win with like a righteous heart. You have to actually... You can't? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean... I, I guess you, you, can, you can now. Like the first few seasons you could. Now it's just right. kind of spectacle and, and, and right. just, just fun, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is fine. That's, but that's I mean, fine. I'll, but I'll it, give it but, more than that. I I think it was it, well done, even if parts don't make sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the spectacle is definitely well done, but it sort of it loses something when it when you feel like the characters are making stupid decisions or it's not rooted in any kind of reality. It kind of it's kind of like um, I don't know. I mean, it is like the Avengers, I guess, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I'm, I enjoy. I um, love the Avengers, but mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's not the same. <laughs> Right. I mean, I, we're expecting George here, and, and it's not George, and hopefully George will do better. Who knows? But I mean, the, be- the best analogy I heard was, um, I think it was A Cast for Kings, which is another Game of Thrones podcast, which is like, we started off expecting steak, and now we get popcorn. And popcorn's nice, but it's not as substantial as steak. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And to be honest, like with this show, I think 
they could have done that scene better because and still had military tactics and make you love it and look cinematic like Lord of the Rings Two Towers. They did it. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, it can be done. That is a movie budget, though. Although I guess at this point, who knows? Maybe no, they, have a yeah. they do have one, episode, and they yeah, spent probably. like eleven weeks on yeah, this guess. episode trying to get that yeah. battle right. They should have put more thought into it. I, I think at this point, where I mean, we all kind of agree it wasn't the smartest thing. Some liked it more than others. I mean, I think for me, I, I, I'll give it better than just popcorn. I think this is better than Independence Day. I think it was really visceral it was more than just entertaining it was powerful it was emotional it it swept you up in the moment again if you think a little if you want to go really detailed into the thoughts of it it, it, whole bunches of it don't make sense and and i'll completely agree with that and that's kind of the show we've got now and i think after a few seasons i think we kind of know that so if you're still on board i think they did what they do well well and they didn't do what they don't do well, poorly. <laughs> I, th- I think it sort of, I agree with all of that. Yeah, it definitely mm. does certain things really well. It is emotional. It is impactful. I definitely got, I got super tense watching mm-hmm. the episode. Yeah. I became nauseous at the sheer carnage and the sheer mm-hmm. slaughter on display. Like it affected mm-hmm. me viscerally. But I think when characters are doing stupid things or when mm-hmm. you're confused, it sort of just takes you out of the narrative yep. where I don't know. It's, it just breaks the immersion. So like even something like, so last episode ended when they all woke up, it was morning and the white walkers are marching towards Winterfell. Mm-hmm. And now this episode starts at night and the white walkers are gone. And that just confused me. Like it just took me out of it. It's like, mm-hmm. what's happening? What did I miss something? I think that's the thing I kept asking. Did I miss something? What mm-hmm. am I missing? Cause yeah. I couldn't follow the actual thoughts of the characters or the plan mm-hmm. or the sequence of events. Mm-hmm. And that's fair. I think that's completely fair. My favorite part of the first, like, 30 minutes and stuff was, um, like, all of the Jamie and Brienne fighting because Mm -hmm. I could figure out what was going on. And, like, I didn't even realize how much I cared about those characters until, like, I literally thought I was, like, having an anxiety attack because, like, I thought one of them died. But beyond (laughs) that, I was, like, yeah, beyond that, I was, like, are you a lot? Like, who's fighting? And, like, I couldn't figure out what was going on. But, like, when it was, like, the, the Jamie and Brienne and, like, that group of people... I, I didn't mind it because I was like, I care about these people and they are fighting and I can tell what's happening to an extent that like I am satisfied. But like when it was a more like overview of everyone fighting, I was just like, I, I, I don't really, I'm like out of taken out of the experience because I'm just like so lost. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's break down a few of the little moments. One of the things I thought was interesting is at the start, the very first scene we see is Sam's trembling and or shivering hands. I thought that was a nice way to start, you know, him shaking and nervous and, and mm. then getting weapons and, oh, shit, here we go. Like, that was a neat way to start it, I thought. You agree? I don't understand why they put Sam on the front line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Well, he did insist on it, so. <laughs> I guess. He's I mean, the Slayer. Right. Sam the Slayer. Take out all the White Walkers. He didn't have to be on the very front lines. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Well, he wasn't. He the Dothraki were. <laughs> he was just behind I them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I do like those little details where it's not just a bird's eye view. It's it's mm-hmm. focusing in on little things that people are experiencing, whether it's Sam's jitters or nervousness or just little things that people are noticing. Takes it down to that sort of POV perspective. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and that whole opening sequence is really well done, like the single take where it's kind of just floating through the Winterfell yard as, mm-hmm. as things kind of assemble and converge. And you can feel a sense of like panic and urgency, but also like determination and resolve and um, like something's happening. One thing I did like about the episode was like the lack of dialogue. Like at certain mm-hmm. points, it almost felt mm-hmm. like a silent film where you were just watching like, yeah, like it was just like pure instinct and mm-hmm. and impulse and emotion. Like I thought that works quite well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it felt I, I different. Totally it like, felt. I totally agree. Like the first, like, I want to say, I don't remember the time, like probably the first like 20 minutes or something was like mm-hmm. the only dialogue was like, you know, like vague order, you know, like there wasn't any like serious dialogue. And then immediately once like they got to the crypts and like Tyrion started talking, I was like, ugh, like, please go back to <laughs> and shouting, <laughs> please. Yeah. Cause like, I, yeah, I really enjoyed all of the, the non-dialogue, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Like that, that felt quite odd and out of mm-hmm. place where he starts monologuing. It's like, no, no, this is, this is not what this episode's about. This is like, yeah. we all know what's happening. Like, no words need, even need to be said. We know the threat. It's elemental. It's but, like us versus them. There's but nothing that's what more Tyrion complicated does. than that. But that's what Tyrion does. He talks during I know, season. but it feels so out of place. Like, he has no role in this story anymore. He's just mm-hmm. kind of whinging and, and lamenting the past. And But he has no, like, forward goals or, 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 or sort of role in this in this fight. Speaking of Sam, we get a nice moment or awful moment, depending on how you take it, where Sam's about to die and Dolores Ed saves him and then dies. Like, by the way, I just want to say there was a the podcast Bard set up a Facebook pool with questions. And one of the big questions was who would be the first big death of the season? And I nailed it with Ed. (laughs) I actually thought it was gonna happen way earlier in the season because he was like up north. But but. Better late than never, but I still want that one. Yeah, I feel like that's the easiest choice. <laughs> True. I'm sorry, but, but, not, not to deny your victory. But I victory. was the only one who actually called it. So, really? like, yes. <laughs> oh, good job. I didn't. I didn't call that. I thought it'd be the last man standing. Mm-hmm. Nope. Um, and the end, of course, Sam did not burn him, so he does rise later. Unfortunately. Yeah, that was my big real. Stuff. I mean, Ed even told him, oh, burn, make sure sh- the last one, make sure to burn the rest. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, right. Sam, you couldn't even do one thing. Well, he ran away <sighs> at that point. So, <laughs> which I thought was a nice and moment. He's like makes- freaked out and ran away. <laughs> it is characteristic of Sam, but right. when we first met him, but I thought he had grown beyond that and over the course of the story yeah. had grown more as a character and wouldn't have run away, but stood and fought with. I'm kind of annoyed with how they used his character in this episode and that they didn't show any of the development he went through and he didn't get the sort of triumphant moment where he like saved someone or like did something. It was just more like, Oh Sam, ha like using him to laugh at. I mean, Sam's every man character, but you know, we want better. We want him to be the hero. But I'm just like, if Danny can kill White Walkers better than Sam does, but Sam has actually been training since he was a child, even if he hated it, there's something wrong. There is a lot of, seems to be almost character regression (laughs) going on. Um, And and it's not just about uh, Sam. Uh, I think the worst was John. Um, I have no idea what he was doing this entire episode. He was yelling, following Danny. Yeah, (laughs) Um, he did nothing. Right, he was supposed to be protecting Bran, which 
came to nothing. Well, he killed like a thousand whites in one car. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> that was um, pretty cool. I feel like Eddie's dad – I mean, yeah. I feel like – I almost feel like Danny was the one who's actually direct – well, I don't know. Maybe – also, first of all, when did how how did he learn how to like maneuver dragons so fast? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that was weird. He's Magic. a targ. He's a targ. <laughs> yeah, the Targaryens don't war. become automatic masters of I don't know. Uh, uh, masters of of, of dragon but warfare, John, but John does. <laughs> Apparently, yeah, I know. <laughs> Um, any other big moments in yeah. here we want to talk about? What one I liked was um, Arya saving the Hound with her arrow. As the Hound's coming up, she she looks and he looks up at her. And it's like, oh, nice little moment. Okay, so let's move into that sec to the next section. So for our next section, uh, Melisandre lights up the trenches. Uh, Sansa and Tyrion talk marriage in the crypts. Theon gets forgiveness from Bran, part one. Uh, Bran wargs into ravens for some reason. Uh, the dead crawl into the fire to allow the rest through and swarm Winterfell. The Night King flies off on Viserion. They should have had way more trenches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The wind, the fields around Winterfell should have just been filled with trenches to catch mm -hmm. all the whites and hold yeah, them in place definitely. so you could shoot and you could shoot burning <laughs> arrows at them. Doesn't yeah. Winterfell have a They should have had the like the thing is they had that had the wood which had dragon glass embedded, they should have had those outside the walls because right. those kill the whites as soon as they walk into them. So why the, not the use them? The catapults should have been raining, burning obsidian that right. whole battle right. instead of being completely useless outside right. the castle. Well, yeah, they stopped immediately, sent one, one round off, and that was it. <laughs> and they should have had, like, boiling or oil and put that down and then set the oil on fire as well, which would have been very effective, but they had nothing to use. <sighs> and Davos shouldn't have to say man the gates. They should already be manning the gates. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yes. If I could make a suggestion, let's focus more on what they did do instead of what they didn't do because otherwise we're just going to be frustrated for the whole conversation. <laughs> There. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's lots of stuff they should have done. There's lots of stuff they should have done, but we could have probably a whole podcast about that. How we could, like, maybe we want to, maybe we should do at some point a podcast of how this battle could have been done better. But, well, we did, we did see, we did say one of the obstacles they had to face was like the actual lowering of the temperature stopped them from actually igniting a lot of the traps they'd set in place. Um, yeah. So they weren't they, able to shoot arrows at the. At, at yeah. the uh, I don't trenches, I so they needed a bit of magic for that. Ah, that's why. I, okay, I think sure. that, that was kind of, great. That was, yeah. that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Mm. And I liked how it was... Are we talking about how Mel lit the trenches yet, sure. or not? Yep, that's, all, yeah, that's yeah. the beginning of this section. Yeah. I yeah. liked how um, Grey Worm actually put it together and was just like, was just like Mel's there, fire No one else can light it. And I was wondering if he was going to leave his men out there to die which they kind of were sacrificed but he actually got them out and had them go get mel and bring mel out to light it which i was really happy with and i'm just like <coughs> it made me really like the unsullied in this episode mm -hmm. and how they used them i'm just like they were the that best used military force in this whole thing mm -hmm. I'm, I'm gonna interrupt for a second because we have a visitor donna say hi She's i'm here yeah, but uh, Mel could have 
done it at, at more than like a meandering uh, slow pace. <laughs> you know, it's. Look, we have Donna here. Say hi, Donna. Hello. F- hi. Fire has to be seduced into existence. You can't, you can't just rush it. Sultry walked up to it. Yeah. It's like snake charming. <laughs> I guess I guess her like fire tactic thing was like an indication of how her powers were dying, I guess. And so she was dying. So like I don't know. <laughs> Except her powers seem way more powerful than they were with Stannis. She's like blowing <laughs> yeah. 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 setting fire out of her like, dragons are around, but they're also weaker in certain ways because the the White Walkers are right there. Um, mm. And as Danny said in the previous episode, like her dragons struggle in the cold. And I think with that ungodly winter that they're bringing, like Rollmore mm. is just not as strong. Right. Yeah. She, she had to I, go back to SS for some retraining. <laughs> well, I mean, she uh, did I, actually. She, she did. Yeah. Yeah. She leveled up. Yeah. <laughs> I really wonder if she made a deal with Rollmore, like I'll sacrifice myself after the battle if you give us enough power or give me enough power to do this one thing because she really couldn't do it no. for a long time like she if was struggling that deal to was made, I think it would have been decades ago like when she knew what her her job was she would have been like okay I am ancient already you just give me another like 50 years of life and I'll finish what you want me to finish sounds like mm-hmm. she did I think I think she may have we just haven't seen it hey Donna interrupt for a second can you give us your lemon cake ratings 3.5 lemon cakes. Um, okay. If it was on the action and the effort that went into this episode, five out of five, but I took 1.5 off for some story things that I disliked. Fair enough. Which wasn't Arya killing the Night King, <laughs> by the way. That was fine. That's, that's not any of that 1.5. If there's anything you want to say in general, why don't you say it now? Yeah, I wish it wasn't so dark, so we didn't spend five minutes messing around with my TV settings to figure out if it was my TV or the episode. Yeah. I thought Mel should have died setting the trench alight, but I guess Mm -hmm. Arya needed that pep talk. Mm -hmm. Um, I liked, I had so many like pump fist in air moments when like uh, my first one was like when Mel says to Grey Worm, like Vala. Wagulus, and he says, like, Bala Doharas. Yep. <laughs> back, and I'm like, yes. Like, the Not Today, and some really great callbacks when Jamie and Brienne and Pod are, like, getting, like, there's quite a long shot for what's happening of when they're getting everyone in, and it's kind of spinning around. And um, I did like that part. I have issues with what the fuck was Ghost doing on the front lines, but, you know, <laughs> yep. John doesn't care anymore because he has a dragon. Um, I loved Brand's conversation with Theon. I thought, mm. even though like Sansa and all that have accepted him, it was nice for Brand to say, like, not only you were a good man, but you're home. Um, yep. Bless Alfie Allen. I think it was like in the second season when he realized where his story was going, he got extra acting lessons, and my God, they paid off. Um, <laughs> especially this episode where he just broke my heart, and yeah, but yeah, that's about it. Okay, cool. You can just join us for this part of the conversation if you want. So one of the things here I liked was uh, Sandor running from the fire again. <laughs> you know, that was mm-hmm. what we expect, right? <laughs> I feel like 
shouldn't he got over it? Well, okay, I guess he did. He'd never get over it. Right. Um, yeah. Actually, with this whole thing, in my notes, I wrote that this is Sandal's absolute worst nightmare. Right. Fighting an army of the dead that he doesn't think they'll really win against, and to defeat them. He kind of needs to use fire, and everyone <laughs> yeah. around him is using fire, and he's yeah. just like, I can't deal, I can't deal. And right. I was just like, oh, poor Sander, mate. Varys has a little dark humor where he's, at least we're already in a crypt. And then we have Tyrion and Sansa debating how they could help. Witty remarks won't make a difference. And Sansa, Sansa basically says, what we're all thinking about Tyrion at this point, right? <laughs> mm. Yeah. I liked Sanders' comment that the reason why they're all down there is because they actually can't do anything, and that she recognized that and said it and was just like, no, we're here because we can't do anything and mm-hmm. would just be a liability for them. I did really like Sansa and Tyrion the entire episode. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to be a little bit later because I do have to go in like two seconds. Sure. But I loved every time you saw Varys after... Dead in the crypts, like he's hiding with children, and when they come out from hiding, he's holding like a little girl's hand, and it's just this callback to like Ned and mm-hmm. Varys talking in the black cells, and mm-hmm. Varys saying like, "Who's going to look after the innocent children?" And even ah, though I, I, I will never be able to reconcile Varys and his treatment of innocent children and his treatment with the little birds. It was a nice character beat that like every time you see him and he's in danger, not only is he in with the kids he's at the front like so if anything got to them he would be the first what does he do <laughs> i know right well what does he have left to what do is, what is I'm, he doing for danny i mean i'm assuming he's gonna do Spinning something webs. in king's landing or else why yeah. is he still around i mean i think he's treading water right now <laughs> yeah i think he doesn't have anything he can do in winterfell but i think once they get to king's landing all of his past as being the um, master of whispers will really mm-hmm. come in come in handy. So mm-hmm. I think Hopefully. it's more of a, for now he can't do anything, but later on he can. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Back to Sons and Tyrion, one of the things I like their little discussion when, when Tyrion sort of says, maybe we should still be married. And, and Sansa has the moment, well, you were the best of them. <laughs> Not that that's really saying much, but... <laughs> And, and, and his Masa- face was like, oh, God, that is terrible. <laughs> right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Then, of course, there's a scene that we probably will want to at least talk about, at least the beginning of, uh, is Theon apologizing to Bran. And he says, he interrupts him and says, everything you did brought you brought you where you are now, where you belong, home. Ah, oh, tears. <laughs> I wanted to like that scene so much more than I did because Theon is my favorite character and mm-hmm. like I'm oh, such a I, I wanted to be so emotional but I, I've mentioned this in the book group chat or whatever for this talk uh, the show but like Isaac uh, Hempstead Wright is so bad at his line delivery that I just anytime he talks and I, I get it his character is really hard to play mm-hmm. but like anytime he talks I just think of this like one stupid meme where it's like he and Sansa are hugging in like season seven and he's like, I love you too, human sister. Beep boop beep boop. He's just, <laughs> he's just a robot. Like and like it just Eat. it like lost all emotion because his character is so emotionless and like I just yeah. I couldn't it, it just he's, makes me cringe. <laughs> he sucks energy out of any scene that he's like right. I mean, yeah. I, I <laughs> just, like this. completely deflates it. <laughs> 
I asked this he in the does. first episode um, if if it's bad acting or good acting when he's so like eh. you know I think that's what they wanted him to do so I don't know. I like yeah, I think it's acting, better this though. season than it was. I liked it. I, I thought it was better this season than it was last season. Last season, it was just a, an abrupt change yeah. from mm-hmm. um, normal brand to what he is now. And uh, yeah, I thought this season it's a little better, but yeah, it's it could be. I could see where it's off putting. Yeah. I just wish he could still be a kid. Like he could yeah. still be tackling with these like deep, you know scary issues and he could be tackling the fact that he has all of this knowledge that's overwhelming him but there would be like a nice tragedy in the fact that he's also a kid having to deal with this and he could still try and relate to his siblings but have that distance like have some kind of yeah. internal conflict but he's just he's like there's nothing there he's just a robot I, he's just a receptacle of knowledge <laughs> i really wished he had more character because at the moment mm-hmm. like like you're saying it's more like they've stripped him of everything that really made him brand and now it's just Bran's body, but not Bran inside, really. Mm-hmm. It's a very different character that he's playing now than he was initially. It could also just be trauma. I mean, he's seen now everything. You know, He's seen all the horrors this world has done, and he's seen some of them firsthand, and he has to deal with what he did to um, Hodor. So this could be just him retreating into... Okay, I can't deal with this world anymore. I'm just gonna do what I have to do and not think about it. So, so that would kind of make sense. But, I, but of course, we've never gotten any of that. So, we don't yeah, know. that that's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's definitely true. But it'd be nice to get some kind of insight into what right. he's dealing. Right. Unfortunately, we don't have uh, first person narrative here, <laughs> unlike the books. So maybe in the books, whatever happens, we will. One other thing, I thought it was interesting. We finally finally see the Night King, but we don't see him until Bran takes off into the um, Ravens, which kind of does nothing for the plot other than we get to see the Night King for the first time. <laughs> I noted it as I was doing it. It was 34 minutes into the episode, which I thought was a really weird narrative choice. We don't see the bad guy for over a third of the way into the episode, almost halfway. It actually reminds me of a, during the episode, it reminded me of like a weird theory sort of thingy about I heard, I can't remember where, but like that Bran is sort of in a way controlling the Night King now because it was the children of the forest that created the Night King. And then like as the three-eyed crow slash raven, they sort of hold that mantle of controlling them. And then we only saw the Night King after Bran had walked and it was just like, what? (laughs) And then we, like the whole time we've been seeing the Night King, at least in this season, it has been while Bran's walking. So I'm just like, I don't know. I think that's more to do with um, the fact that, well, first of all, I, I think it makes sense that the Night King shows up about a third of the way through just because, um, like, the story structure of the episode, it's kind of like, you know, like the beginning of Act 2, which would right. be the main conflict. And then the reason that you don't see the Night King before any of this, like, unless it's in relation to Bran, is because he's the only one that has the ability to go that distance to see him but um i just been thinking of this interview that i can never i don't know what the name of brand's actors is isaac hempstead right or something yeah, like yeah. that i yeah. feel like yeah. i'm saying it wrong but he keeps he, there was like an interview with him where he's like if i see another theory that i am the night king that i am related <laughs> to the night king he's like i'm going to scream so like i i think that that has been debunked but um and it's more just uh the fact that bran is the only one that has the ability to narratively connect the plot to make sense for why we are in mm-hmm. the presence of the Night King. 
Right. Do you guys remember that episode of The Simpsons with the monorail? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Because th- yep. there's a scene. There's a scene where like Leonard Nimoy is on the monorail and it gets saved <laughs> at the last minute, right. and he says, "Well, it looks like the day was saved thanks to me." And Barney's like, "You didn't do anything," and he's like, "Didn't I?" That's right, what right. I think. Like <laughs> Brian's role in the story is right. <laughs> like he keeps saying that he's like pulling strings, but he doesn't actually do anything. Right. One other thing that I thought was interesting during this sex this section here, and actually through from this point on really, was all the music and the the music changing beats as it goes through. Like there was one section that was like almost EDM dance music, but like powerful. And it created lots of suspense. I don't normally notice the music in these things, but I, and as I was watching it the second time, I was like, wow, that was a neat bit there. And oh, look, it just changed, you know. And then of course we get the piano at the end that we'll talk about later. But they had some really great cello. Mm-hmm. music in this like the part with the piano mm-hmm. i think it was more the cello at mm-hmm. that point really okay. had the melody and it was beautiful and it was just like great so for our next section sander Beric, and aria fight in the crypts liana mormont dies killing a giant danny and john fight the night king on their dragons aria avoids and or kills white walkers in the crypts Beric dies saving Arya as the hound carries her off. Melisandre gives Arya a pep talk. And that's that for that section. So, mostly the crypts for this. Sandor, we can't beat death. Beric, tell her that. That was a neat moment. I liked it. That's how Beric should have been like, look at me. <laughs> no, I like, look at her. I liked it. Especially for Sandor, it would work. Because Sandor doesn't give a fuck about Beric. But, like, she gave him inspiration to keep fighting. I liked it. I loved the uh, the library scene where mm-hmm. she's like sneaking around. It felt a bit disjointed with like the battle has such like a furious mm-hmm. and tumult, and this was a much more quiet sort of tense scene. Mm-hmm. But it, yeah, I, I thought it was effective and it, it, like added it to the sort of horror atmosphere right. of the of the monsters and the fact yeah. that even Arya, her, even Arya, this killing machine was 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 uh, afraid of them. Mm-hmm. It was great, and actually that whole scene really reminded me of. Korean movie called Train to Busan. It's on Netflix. It's great. And how you have to try to stay as silent as possible when they're around because if they hear you, they'll all swarm you. And that she distracted them by throwing a book was just like, yeah, mm, Train to Busan. Nice. It was totally a stealth mission in a video game. She's right, like right. distracting wow. them and sneaking around bookcases. Well, I mean, this whole section was really horror movie. I mean, they even said in a lot of things that the first section is like kind of the build up and the tension. And this was the horror movie section. And then, of course, the finale is the action movie section. And, and this all feels like a real great horror movie, right? Her hiding, like you said, it could be video game horror, like one of those. Yeah. Um, there's one interesting uh, bit that I liked in the um, one of the after the things when uh, when she goes under the table, there's an actor who plays the White Walker, who apparently in real life is like double or triple jointed, and it made him seem really otherworldly. And if you, I don't know if you take a moment, he only appears for like 10, 20 seconds in the episode, but it was just so like weird the way he mm. moved. It was really cool. I like that moment. I kind of wish there was more of this stuff because it mm. makes it seem like individual whites are actually really powerful and strong yeah. and dangerous. <laughs> Whereas when you see hordes of them just being mowed down by one sword, it like sort of lessens their mm-hmm. their scare factor. So yeah. this like mm-hmm. this made them individuals really intimidating. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that it was a, a good a good enough amount because uh, I really hate jump scares. I think. First of all, I'm like mm-hmm. a really anxious person, so like they <laughs> freak me out. Um, like and then um, also I think they're kind of a cheap thing in horror, but I think that. This Agreed. was like the perfect amount of like, it was, it was like, you know, you just had like, you had one jump scare and, but you kept, you were very tense the whole time. And I think it was like a very earned jump scare. And I just, I think 
that if there was any more, it would have been, you know, more too cheap and it like lessened the effect. But I do, I do agree that um, it does kind of make it a little, like, I don't know if it makes it a little tonally inconsistent, but like you see someone can kill a hundred white walkers, you know, by like spinning yeah. a sword around and then like Arya has to like Scooby-Doo her way around. You know? <laughs> uh-huh. So the Scooby-Doo thing was not mine. Someone in that group chat was like, talking about it i don't remember who it was but if you're listening was it, it was very funny um, yeah i think it might have been casey sure. it was it was very funny and i really appreciated that mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was great anybody played a video game uh the last of us yeah it feels a little Love bit like the, yeah a little bit like last of us in that in that scene mm-hmm. yeah uh, you throw the bottle to lure the zombies mm-hmm. and, and and zelda when you're sneaking or sneaking through the castle for the mm-hmm. first time behind hedges and, and things. Yeah. Let's uh, talk a little bit about Liana's death. I mean, we're talking total fan service here, right? I mean, no question, this character was supposed to appear in one scene and they love the actress, and yet, one of the great moments of the episode, I think. Do you agree? I definitely agree with that. I thought that before this, she was very fan service Every time she spoke, I was like, oh my God, they're just, <laughs> you know, like playing into the fans, like, oh my God, like I get it, girl power, blah, 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 you know, but I think it, it allowed all the fan service built up to a nice a nice death where she she went out like a badass and it was earned and i think it was i think it was really cool yeah like i have never really overly loved her character in the show apart from the first part where she sent the note saying no king but king the king in the north Mm -hmm. so for this like the whole time i'm just like god damn it and then she wasn't even like holding her weapon when the (laughs) Giants <laughs> walked in and like they had whites all around her and I'm just like she's a fucking idiot and then the white the giant white picked her up and she dropped her weapon and I'm just like what are you doing that's the first thing you learn you never drop your weapon and then she stabbed him in the eye with her other weapon and I'm just like never mind I take it back You're great you did yeah. so well she's also <laughs> how old is how old is she supposed to be in the show I know the actress is around like 14 15 now I thought she was like 12 <laughs> right somewhere around. yeah but I'm really bad at judging like ages nine. And she takes she out a giant. Young. This is one of the moments I was getting really nauseous because I, I really actually thought the giant was going to bite her head off. <laughs> oh, no. Well, did you hear really? the bones breaking? That was horrifying. Yeah. That was really... I uh... remember watching this and I was not nauseous at all. I was just like, it's fine, whatever. Yeah, I was kind of like, at first, I was like, why is she here? Like, she's so like in the way. Like, she's like two feet tall. People are going to like trip over her. Like, I get it. She wants to fight, but she's like like a young no, child. I was like... no. I was just like, you want to fight, but why aren't you actually fighting? You're just standing around doing right. nothing. <laughs> what are you doing? I was yeah. so annoyed. Yeah, she is fan service personified. Yep. And, and I mostly like it, but yeah, she, she played this part really well. But yeah, I, I, enough of her. It's the end of her. Oh, here she comes. She's going to say something badass. I'm like, oh, okay. I, I, I like it, but you know, this was a good ending. Right. I mean, I've, I've, enough. I've, I feel like, you know, in many ways, this is this is one of the moments where we talk about, like, the differences between the books and the shows. And some people criticize the show for showcasing actresses or actors that they like and giving them bigger parts than maybe they deserve or better lines or more storyline. And, I mean, this is the perfect example. You know, this is a character they brought in for one scene to literally tell John to fuck off, you know, back, you know, back a few years ago. And they loved the actress. And you know what? It worked. I think for me, it worked. It ended up a, an ongoing character we liked. 
someone who may or may not ever even appear in the books or probably won't certainly won't at this level unless George decides something from having seen it which is always possible but um you know I don't think she's going to go out like this either in the books and yet it worked and it was a great scene and I think it shows like one of the differences between making a TV show and writing a book it was totally earned and I loved it and everyone cheered I think Let's go to, um, part, as part of the scene still, the Beric dies saving Arya and goes out fighting like a boss. And then Melisandre says to him after he dies, the Lord of Light brought him back for a purpose and that purpose has been served, which appears to be to save Arya. That was his purpose all along? Okay. What do you think of that? I, I forgot he died. Weird. <laughs> you forgot? I thought it was weird that the purpose he's been brought back is just to save Arya, but it seemed really weird narratively, and I still think it's really weird. Like, I like the fact that Arya killed the Night King, but that line I was just like, yeah, I don't think it was terribly great. And I also think that Sandor's a bit of a dick, because, like, <laughs> after Beric's sword gets thrown out, okay, cool. Beric doesn't, I don't think he has a weapon, but Beric's the guy in the back, and Sandor's just, like, running through with Arya, not fighting anything, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, man what are you doing? Like, help your mate out. Right. He actually picks her up. He picks her up and carries her off, you know, as he's getting knives through him. But he could have also picked up Beric when Beric's been stabbed quite a few times and, like, picked Beric up and also run with him. I I liked that scene because I I thought it was, like, a throwback to uh, the Red Wedding aftermath when, like, Mm -hmm. Arya wants to go in and he's like, no, we're getting the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. And so I, I liked that. But um, yeah, yeah I, I totally forgot that Bear died immediately after that <laughs> scene. Like, I just, his character felt so unimportant to me that I just was like, why are you even here anymore? Yeah. A lot of a lot of characters died in this episode, but they're all pretty, like, D-grade. Sort of right, yeah. right. They, they yeah. Didn't, didn't even really mouth, need to be You around. shut your mouth. Theon is amazing. You shut exactly. your mouth. Exactly. Theon. No, no. Right, right. Theon and is Jorah. better. Theon and is great. He's the, he's the exception. I didn't like, I wasn't talking about and Theon Jorah. and I think Jorah are, like, your, like, secondary characters that died. Right. And then everyone else died as well. I mean, and it's just the, like... They're, they're important characters, or they were important characters, but I feel like they haven't really had anything to do for the past few seasons. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're what, expendable. Yeah. Well, of course, the interesting thing is that Beric, you know, we know is dead in the in the books, right, at this point. Long time. So here, uh, I, it's interesting that they gave him... We, we've been wondering, what's the point of keeping him around, other than maybe they like the actor, but here, at least they tried to give him a reason, like he, he had to stay to what? save Arya. I don't know I if guess. it works, but at least at least they tried. I'll give him that. I mean, I but anyone could have done that. Right. Yeah. He sacrificed right. himself for Arya, like he sacrificed himself for Lady Stoneheart, I guess? Like, Right. Well, so, yeah, I, I read something. I, I read a, a suggestion on Twitter, which is that Arya should have been killed in the battle, and he like gives her the kiss of life, and then when she that comes back to kill the Night's right. King, she would have been reborn when she kills him. Right. I would have liked that. Would have been awesome. And or or Melisandre. So Melisandre does it, you know, by giving him her life for all that. Giving her it would have been his a, life. It would have been a callback to Lady Stoneheart. It would have sort right. of fulfilled the prophecy, and it could have been like a. It would have been devastating to see Arya die, and then right? it would have been a, uh. a real surprise when she comes back and kills the knights. Yeah. On the other hand, no, do we want with to Mel character? in that room, I thought Mel was going to give Beric the kiss of life to bring him back mm-hmm. as yeah. well, and I was just like, and I she know, did nothing, got... and I'm just like, you're a heartless bitch. Okay. I thought Mel and Arya were going to talk about. How they both banged Gendry. (laughs) (laughs) Every time they made eye contact in this episode, I was like, oh my gosh, they know. They both know. 
<laughs> Keep your hands off him, he's mine. <laughs> Keep your leeches off him, he's mine. <laughs> um, and of course, we also get the great moment where we get Melisandre's little pep talk, which apparently makes all the difference, which seems to be the only reason she's really here. Brown eyes, green eyes, and blue eyes. Those would be the ones you'd be, I said you'd be killing. And then she also says, what everyone's favorite line, because we get a Serio Pharrell callback, what do we say to the god of death? Not today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's oh. interesting how they how they posture Arya as like the almost prophesized killer of the Night King, as mm-hmm. as though she's the one who is capable of killing death. She right. knows the face of death. Mm-hmm. She's the one who's meant to close the blue eyes. Mm-hmm. It's like they've pivoted from the prince that was promised to this other aspect of the myth, mm-hmm. connected it to the Night King, which is something we've never really considered. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. Well, the prince didn't have a gender true base, yeah, in Valyrian. So, yeah, at yeah, least show wise, true. That's true. At least in the show. Okay, so Danny Dracaris is the Night King. We've I've made it a verb, and he walks through the fire. Then he raises the dead. The dead rise in the crypts. Danny saves John with Drogon's fire. Drogon gets overwhelmed by the dead and Danny falls off, but Jorah saves her. Sansa and Tyria have a moment amidst the chaos. Bran tells Theon he's a good man before he gets killed by the Night King protecting Bran. Viserion falls, bleeding fire out of the side of his mouth and attacks Jon, stopping him from getting to the Night King. Jorah takes multiple swords, protecting Danny. The Night King approaches Bran... But Arya jumps seemingly out of nowhere and stabs him with the dragon glass blade that was supposed to kill Bran, which we should talk about. Um, he shatters and dies, and the Whites shatter, and the White Walkers and Viserion fall. Jorah dies in Danny's arms, and then Melisandre takes off her ruby brooch, walks out, and ages to dust and die. So lots here to talk about, right? Um, let's start real quick with a with a nice big dragon battle. And the Night King falling off the off his dragon and losing. He's he's like I got his his spear there ready to like throw it, and then he falls and loses it, which is kind of interesting. Although he gets it later, that was kind of neat, right? What was the point of that? I don't know. It was just fun. I mean, we well, I mean, that gets him on the ground to going after Bran, I guess, because he doesn't. He's not well, the dragon. Anymore. Wouldn't it be more effective to ride a dragon? I know, It'd right? be faster. Well, the whole thing is like Night. <laughs> Mr. Night King, uh, uh, Mr. Night King, if you just like, you know, get to Bran immediately. You have also, you have a dragon. You have a cooler dragon that breathes blue flames rather than the, the shittier dragons that they kind of just sort of collapse with a bunch of things stabbing it. You could have just ended this. You could have won. And I don't know what, Night King, what, yeah. what, what, what are you about? Well, we'll never know. That's the thing. <laughs> I still don't know what his motives are. Like, yeah. what is the point of his attempt to kill Bran? Why is he trying to kill Danny? What is his motivation? Who is he? Where does he come from? And none of it matters now because he's dead. Right. It feels like that's been a huge part of the mythology of this series right. that's like been looming and been sort of posed these sort of eternal questions about the nature of, of winter and it all just kind of ends in nothing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I feel like what they were going for is that he was created by the children of the forest and with him, the rest of the white walkers and the others and whatever to take out humans as they were being, you know, that was the, he was their nuke, you know, to protect themselves and keep them alive. And then 
the nuke got out of control and now he doesn't really have any plan other than I'm supposed to kill the humans. So I'm going to do it. I mean, I don't know where the whole connection to brand thing comes. If only it's just a, well, you see me. So I guess I need to come for you. I don't know. We never get any of that. That's but other than that, that's pretty much his only I mean, motivation. We're going to come for the humans. That's what I'm supposed to do. The brand thing. I don't yeah. Know. I guess oh, I just assumed they had like a civil, I thought they had like a civilization maybe, but it could just be that they're literally just terminators who were just fulfilling right. a programming order. <laughs> Of course, there is the awkward question of where does his clothes come from? He has that fabulous outfit, and he didn't have it when he was created, because remember, he, he was shirtless when they put the dragon glass in him. Oh. So they have to have some culture, because he got that fabulous outfit. We have to make this fashion cast, Also, right, why? <laughs> also, they know that Valerian's blades kill them. Why not put some armor on? Do they? Yeah, they saw John kill one of the White Walkers with a Valerian steel have, blade at Hado. Do they have that much awareness, though? And do they know what it was or why or any of that stuff? I don't know. We don't know. They have enough awareness to pull a dragon out of a out of a uh, ocean or whatever. I think that I think that they would probably know those things. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I know. I was going to say, do they have access to armor? And I'm like, probably. They have an awful lot of White's outfits to choose from, so could have that's presumably where it came from i guess because all the all of the quote-unquote others you know the the you know the more intelligent ones are at least seemingly so the leaders you know seem to all have a nice outfit where all the others are just sort of whatever they were wearing when they died or are they like elsa from frozen and can magic their outfits together there you go <laughs> fashion cast <laughs> no fashion cast one of the says, others. i love every single thing mole was wearing this episode i'm like True. i want your outfit i want your cloak <laughs> Like, I want it all. Please give me. I feel like if they are going to give, make him, like, smirk after Danny tries to fry him and fail. Mm-hmm. That um, was neat. I liked it. It's well, dumb. It I, was dumb, but no, I liked it. I feel like if they are going to do that, then they needed to give him more character. True. They needed to actually make him do the, like, then he needs an, then a motivation. If it's just some sort of force of nature, then what's the point of why is he smirking at Danny? Right. Um, they tried to go mid, like halfway with mm-hmm. with him, which I feel like is the, exactly the wrong place for him. Which is why I feel like why a lot of people are disappointed after he just gets murked, right. gets by 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 Arya. He, he gets killed by like prison shanking. Yeah, <laughs> someone just stabs him in the gut and he's dead, and all the White Walkers are dead. Yeah, <laughs> seems like pretty easy. I think the issue, yeah, yeah. I think the issue with uh, the Night King is like. Once you have, when you're dealing with like zombies, you the reason like most successful zombie franchises never have like sentient zombies is because like once you have a sentient like a, a purpose for zombies, like it doesn't really make sense like beyond like an animalistic purpose. Like once you like really take it down mm-hmm. and like yep. think about it, like they they don't make sense. And so I think right. I think I like that in George's book there is no like Night King who has like this mm-hmm. overarching goal beyond like conquer and like once you start trying to give them a real goal you you can't come up with one because they're not Mm -hmm. human they're like these weird half alive things Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i think that's why the night king was so confusing is like they they wanted to give him a motivation but then they like realized like he's too powerful to like give him like a real motivation i don't know (laughs) i don't know they ever really tried to to be honest i mean i think I think ultimately the only reason he was there is to be a personification of the bad guys. Whereas we don't need that in the books or who knows, maybe we will get it in the books, but probably not. 
And on the show, it's always good to have, like, someone you can look at in the eye, and in this case, someone to be coming after Bran. Uh, Because otherwise the whole story doesn't work without, you know, (laughs) at least this part, whatever we did here probably won't happen in the books that way because there's no Night King unless they take out all the others or something. Yeah, it seems like it seems like a design flaw that if you lose this one guy, your entire civilization yeah. collapses. Yeah. <laughs> Except that they didn't design it, they were created. So they were designed to be bad, to be something else, to be a weapon. If anything, it's well, a good thing. If, you, well, if you're creating a weapon, wouldn't you want a way to take, to take them out? <laughs> yeah, but then keep the king in his castle in the lands of always winter and right. send yeah. his generals out. Don't send yeah. the, the, right. like, the, the queen yeah. bee out into the field. Right, right, right. Sure. <laughs> like... So the, again, okay. it comes into do you, or you can't go halfway with this. Either they're 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 all like mindless zombies or weird whatever they are um, things uh, that are all like I don't know that doesn't have like a will or you they're actual characters, right? Don't, well, don't go halfway. I mean, the White Walkers can be characters, and then the Whites can be. I guess sure, they're yeah, more yeah. like the whites old are fine. school, like yeah. like voodoo zombies, where they're like they're controlled by another rather than just kind of mindless. mindless yeah, the whites things, are fine. But, the whites are fine. Yeah. Uh, but like, I feel like if you're going to give the Night King and and his posse <laughs> character, then things like motivation, these things suddenly start mattering. And, I guess I just want to see what they're going to do. Like, what was going <laughs> to happen when he touched right. Bran? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Because the, the, the way they walk it? around is so. It's so disconcerting because they walk around like they're a horde of like businessmen or something, just kind of striding around Winterfell. <laughs> right. And what what is actually the next step when they touch Bran? Like, I want to see the plan in motion because right. it's never clear maybe, to me. Maybe they can like warg into Bran and then like become humans and like take over society. I don't know. My my feeling was that maybe it was ju- it's the Night King actually really wanted to die, but he thinks like the Three Eyed Crow's the only person. He can't actually kill him, so that's why he's coming for him. That's what I, I was thinking. It was more a matter of that they're coming to kill all the humans. This is the only guy who knows enough to maybe stop them. So let's get rid of this guy and then just keep going and killing everyone. I don't. I mean, that's all. I mean, I thought it was just a matter of he's smart and powerful. So let's take him out. Like take like yeah, taking out the. They general. could have like taken him out from the sky. You know, like they could have done it from a distance. Like well. brands and. Bran is in the wheelchair. He's kind of a sitting duck, and so like, but they wanted to like one on one confront well, him. Could they take him out from the Do sky? Because even... they had the dragon battles. Remember, John and, and John and Danny were stopping him in the sky. So it's only when he not gets knocked off the dragon yeah. that he starts walking for them. He was coming for them. He, you he know, he could have like taken an a bow and arrow and walked up to like a a wall and shot Bran. <laughs> But do we even know that they want to kill Bran? Because it True. might be that they actually just want to capture him and use his power. Well, he did reach mm-hmm. for his sword. He did reach for his sword there at the end. But but maybe. I have to believe they wanted to kill Bran so that Theon's death has purpose. So, yeah. <laughs> Or is it Good. like they need to like leech Bran's power off of him first and then they can kill him? It could be that, like, they could be using him as, like, a, a power source. The way that, like, Melisandre uses, like, King's blood as a power source, maybe. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Like, they use his memory. I mean, we do get a hint of it last episode where Bran talks about he wants to eradicate memory of the world. Mm-hmm. And Nan talks about, like, the White Walkers hating things with warm blood in their veins. So they mm-hmm. just hate the idea of life itself, and that's what they want to destroy. Mm-hmm. Um, which is which is a scary idea. 
Yeah, I don't know. Bran just to me, he feels like uh, the giver, you know, like the, the Lois Lowry book where it's just like he's the only yeah. one with the knowledge and then they it, all just want to yeah. get rid of the knowledge. But right. I, I don't know. The motivation just is kind of. What is his knowledge? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everything. Okay. Um, I don't know. It feels like both Bran and the Night King are equally op- opaque as characters. So their mm-hmm. conflict, quote right. unquote, doesn't really right. work. It's not compelling for you. Yeah. Well, fair, enough. fair enough. It's two blank slates mm-hmm. banging against each other. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That's the perfect analogy. Yeah. Somewhat. Just yeah. two empty vessels. I mean, this whole sequence though, this was like the most tense I was sure. and the most mm-hmm. kind of nauseous I was just watching all the characters. It's like so many dead bodies are littering the, the ground at this point. Cause it's, initially I thought that like the, the battle for Winterfell would go awry and they'd have to abandon it and retreat south. Right. I did too. But at this point, it's like, oh wait, they have no chance. They have no chance of escaping at this point. The only mm-hmm. chance is maybe if Bran can like turn back time or something. But otherwise, they're all going to die. Right. Because especially so we get like that super. We get the big. Moments. Speaking of which, we get to the big moment where, of course, now that he's on the ground, he does the you know the come at me bro moment from <laughs> like hard home and raises all the dead, and that's when it's like, oh shit. Because first of all, we get. Leanna and Ed and, you know, all the different bodies coming back to life. And now, you know, John's like coming after him. He's like, oh, shit. Now there's like a thousand people around me. What the fuck am I going to do? But then, of course, you also get the moment we've all been waiting for when they finally realize what we've been saying for weeks now, which is that the crypts are the worst place to be when the dead come and they come back to life because he starts raising the you see the hands start to break out of the crypts and all that. And that was really cool. I'm glad. That, I mean, if they hadn't done that, that would have just been dumb, right? I guess. Although I thought only Starks went into the crypts. So I was surprised that there'd be anything left to like emerge out of them. There mm-hmm. wasn't dust. Because like, what was the, who was the yes. last person buried there? Like Ned Stark? Ned. Uh, yeah. Wasn't Leanna's body brought back as well? Yeah. I guess well, Rickon, but Rickon. pretty uh, Yeah, Rickon, yeah. I was just confused about like, I, I didn't think that they were going to actually raise the dead from the crypts because it just it seemed too illogical to I me did. in the fact that like that they they were like I thought that all the bodies would have been like way too decomposed by that time like because uh, it's warm in Winterfell so like I don't know I was like it's too obvious they're not going to do it but then oh, they did it <laughs> yeah I I'm I mean, surprised maybe, it didn't happen maybe earlier. the shows maybe the show is just treating it as a general like cemetery or catacombs right. that right. anyone can be buried in right I guess so it's like you know. Casualties of the Battle of the Bastards or some other battle. Mm-hmm. They should have just had a, a zombie, zombie uh, Ned Stark made of like <laughs> with coating his head, like ah, oh. without his head. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah be, I don't know. That seems Why cool. would he hold his head though? That, <laughs> I know. We all were. Kinda, Why did things happen? I know. I know. I know. It's true. We we were all wondering that because there, you know, he did go back yeah. for like so, to film something like a, I think a, a group oh really thing. He went supposedly he was back over there. I think it was something mm. they were filming like a reunion episode or something that's going to happen mm. at the end or something like that. So, but then there was lots of theories. Oh, is he coming back to be in the crepes? You know. But thank God, I, I'm glad they didn't. Um, by the way, so oh, as we by come, the way, before I we did lead a up, quick Google, and it takes about 300 years right. for bones to turn into dust to fully yeah, yeah, yeah. decompose. So all um, the dead Starks without a coffin. So like a lot of Starks could have been there. Right, and we didn't see a lot. We only saw like a, a dozen or two. So that makes sense. Yeah. 
They maybe were just standing where the newer ones are. Bad place to stand, everyone. Sounds and Tyrion and everyone. But um, we also had um, at this whole bit that whole long tracking so- shot of John as he's trying to get to Bran. That was an amazing shot, right? They they filmed that whole thing like a minute or two all at once. It was really neat. And then at some point in there, he sees Sam and he walks by almost all the major characters at one point or another, and he can't help them because he has to get to Bran. And yet Sam is on the ground and the one you think he'll go back for. And nope, nope, no time for that. It was kind of neat. I didn't think he was trying to get to Bran. I thought he was just being a little bitch and wasn't going to help anyone. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think he was trying to get to Bran at all. Nope, I, I think that's where he was going, but whatever. I mean, He's a little I'm bit. I'm a fan of long shots. I like long takes. I think they're nice to watch, so <laughs> I guess. I don't I, know. I just, yeah, I feel like John was kind of pointless because he didn't even end up helping Bran at all. Yep. <laughs> right, right. There was yep. a neat little moment, too, where Sansa and Tyrion don't say anything and they're just kind of hiding and waiting to die. And there's a moment where Sansa pulls out a knife. And she looks at it, and Tyrion looks at her, and then he kisses her hand. Like, was she committing? Was she considering committing suicide there? What was that? What was the knife? Or That's was what just- I thought. I I I thought she was gonna like be like, you know, like we might as well just kill ourselves now. But then everyone I was watching with was like, no, she's gonna fight. And I was like, she right. doesn't know how to use. Like, right. She doesn't have any battle training, like. Like she can stab something, but that's like stick him with the pointy end. That's all you exactly. Need to know. <laughs> yeah, no, like you stab something and then you have to pull it out and stab them again. You know, and like someone right, else right. could come and kill. Yeah, I don't know. And she was like the only one with a weapon. I, I don't know. Right. I thought I she thought, was yeah. going to Ironically, give it to Tyrion because Tyrion mm-hmm. had said he wanted to fight and has actually fought in a battle before. So I was just like, is she going to give it to Tyrion? And why doesn't he already? Which have would work? <laughs> Ironically, knives don't work on zombies. Yeah, apparently. Well, not that knife. If Arya gave it to her, you'd think it would have had some, you know, dragon glass or Valyrian steel or something, right? Mm-hmm. I guess. Did they yeah. even use any dragon glass? Bad, it was a bad Chekhov's gun. She's like, she had a knife, didn't use it. Right. Made a whole scene about giving it to her. Right. <laughs> what was right. the whole? Yeah. Ultimately, what was the point of the whole crypt scene? Is just to scare people a little bit more. Probably that maybe the people in the crypts are being in danger. Well, I mean, no, I nobody, nobody no important died in there. Yeah. Um, that's where wasn't Beric down it, there? Beric died down there. Pre- no, Beric died. No, with no the they Aria. were in like the libraries that somehow oh, had been that's reconstructed yeah. after being burned yeah. down like six times. I don't know why there were still books there. Oh, whatever. <laughs> with the crypts, when they had the soldiers banging on the door to be let in, being like, mm-hmm. "Let us in! Open the door! Let us oh, in!" Yeah, that was cool. They had the classic movie moment in zombie movies where it's, "Do you let people in and hopefully save some lives, or?" If you let them in, do you condemn every single person who's in there with you right. because you let zombies in as well? Mm-hmm. Like, it's that moment of what do we do? What should we do as mm-hmm. people? Although we didn't have time to really explore it, unfortunately. But <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of just fighting, and I couldn't tell what was going on. There was one bit where Brienne screams, and I thought she died there. And was at the end of the episode, I still wasn't even sure who was dead and who wasn't. But I figured, well, they would have given Brienne a bigger moment if they'd killed her, right? Yeah, there was yeah. one moment where it was tracking through the carnage of Winterfell, and it was just a right. sea of dead bodies. But then right. it just had like the seven main characters still alive battling, like <laughs> the only ones, zombies yeah. each. Right. Which felt which felt yeah. a bit cheesy to me. Yeah, 
Yeah, I wish that they had killed a main character and then like and not given them a big moment because I I don't know I just feel like the minute you you give them a big moment and it's like oh it's obvious they're gonna die you know it's right like, right more nice just to be like oh tracking shot oh boop one of them is dead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Plot armor was in full force. Yeah, for this yep. whole episode. Yep. We have the whole lead up now, the, that big piano music and all that got really cool during all that stuff. And then we get to the Theon bit, which that to me, whether the first scene or not broke your heart, I feel like this one really did. Alfie Allen's acting classes came into good effect here. Theon knows he's dead. And Bran says, you're a good man. Thank you. And I had all the feels. I was bawling my eyes out when that happened. What do you think? Yeah, I was I was very upset. I didn't cry. I was surprised, but um, I was I was upset. But I I don't know. I just there was just so much stuff wrong with that scene, though. That just annoyed me. Like, first of all, he attacked him with a spear, which is like stupid because like obviously it could break. Second of all, I don't know. They they like had this uh lingering shot on him where like you know he like twitched, and I I thought maybe he would like try to make like one more yeah, attempt, yeah. but it really was just to be like, oh no, I'm dead. And I don't know. I just. I, I understand why they killed him and like I'm expecting him to die in the books but like I don't know I just in my heart I was like this is not how it should be yeah <laughs> if only he just waited a few more moments he would be fine right which actually is the point I was about to say so so Bran knows that Arya is coming theoretically right and he lets yeah. Theon go off and die now admittedly he just has to stall him for a minute or whatever but it's still kind of kind of cold ass like you know oh, what it is sorry Bran. Him. maybe Bran doesn't actually think Theon's a good man and he's still like fuck you Oh, know. this is all manipulation. That's interesting. Pre- Bran doesn't I, know anything. I, 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 I don't actually believe that. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm excited I agree for the next episode, Duncan. though. Although, like, fall out of that and, like, stands with being sad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I still think it was... I, I loved it. I, I did... There was, when you said... You know that moment you said where uh, you saw him twitching? I was actually wondering if he was going to raise up and then come after Bran, which would have been kind of a, an odd... You know, it would have been a nice kind of, oh, that's not, I, I was supposed to be saving you. And, oh, he actually came after him. But they didn't. No, I'm glad that he didn't get raised. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> somewhere I, in the Iron Islands, my heart was crying. <laughs> so, so Theon, of course, is different in the show than the books, partially because he's more um, whole, <laughs> you know, because in the books, he's missing fingers and toes and teeth and can't eat and he's aged mm. and his gray hair and all that. So I'm wondering if like, do we think Theon's gonna be protecting Bran or whoever, whatever, whenever he ends? Or is he, I mean, is he going to have this bigger redemption arc in the books or no? I, I do not think so because he has all that like lines about like I shouldn't die so far away from the sea and like right. all of that stuff. So I, I think he's gonna do something for the the north or the, the the cause of the good people, but like not in this way at all. I, I don't think mm-hmm. he's gonna go back to Winterfell. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. do you all agree or what do you think? I, think I agree. Made, yeah. I now, feel like I've made my point on uh, whether the books will follow the TV show at all. At this right, stage, right. very clear at right. this point. <laughs> right. So my question is: If let's say Theon doesn't have a you know great heroic saving moment like this, or maybe he has something, but it's less. Do you like this better or not? Um, I mean, I think I you're think right. Different. He is too. Sorry. He's too frail in right. the in the books to do that. Like he, his his sort of uh, his redemptive. I don't know if you'd call it redemptive, but his like 
attempt to be human, I guess, is trying to protect Jane Poole and helping her escape or right. mm-hmm. or whatever. But I don't think he's going to have like a role in like the politics of the realm. I think he's going to just make his way back to yeah back to Asha and do something yeah. there, try and find some peace yeah. there. But I don't think he has the the strength or the will to re-enter right. the Game of Thrones. Right. Fionn is straight up a different character in this show. And this, I will give the show credit, Fionn's a much better character in the show than compared to the, mm-hmm. to the books. Mm-hmm. At least at this yeah. point. At this I like point, them it. both equally, but I think that the books, he's going to have more of a subdued plot, I guess. Like, I, I, don't, I can't imagine him doing anything like super heroic right. Right. beyond saving, the, saving Jane Poole. And like supporting Asha, mm-hmm. will he be even physically capable that's to my point. fight in a battle? Right, as that's well? my point. Like, because he won't be able to be an archer because he's like losing fingers and like flesh off right. his fingers. So exactly. like he won't be able to do that, which is one of the things he was best at. Mm-hmm. And like he would have massive muscle fatigue. So would he even be able to lift a sword or a weapon like that as well? Mm-hmm. Like, 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 yeah, I, I, mean, I, I don't even know if he'd be capable, at least for a period of time. Right. That's kind of the point I was making. And I think this is, like, for me, one of the few examples. I mean, it, it's hard for us to say what George is going to do, because who knows. But I feel like, in the end, there's going to be most of the things I'm going to end up liking what George did better. But I think Theon's arc here, I think I may end up liking better, because I really like what they did with him on the show. Mm-hmm. But that's me. Yeah. Uh, I really, really like what they've done with Theon on the show. But I do think we have to think of them as two separate characters yep. now. It's mm-hmm. not Theon on Theon. It's like show Theon and Reek now. Right. Like, I right. think we need to separate them when we think about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe that'll change later in the yeah. books. But at the moment, yeah. Um, so why don't we move on to the big topic of this, which is Arya saving the day, seemingly coming out of nowhere. I know there's lots of thoughts on that that everyone all over the internet's had. What about you guys? Did you like it? Did it surprise okay. you? I mean, I don't... So so I, I watched this with Greg and Casey mm-hmm. and Zach in an mm-hmm. apartment in D.C., and we lost our collective minds when this happened. <laughs> I think... I think Casey got like a complaint uh, like the day after from her like building inspector. We were too loud. <laughs> but we were funny. That's awesome. We just could not. We just could not believe our eyes. But yeah, right. Yeah, it was, it was a shock. It was a shock. Yeah. Who? I... A good or a bad shock? I don't know. Like we just did not expect the story to go that way. Mm-hmm. We didn't expect Arya to be the one to do it. Right. We didn't expect like so much of the White Walker lore to be so like unceremoniously cut off <laughs> yep. um we didn't expect like the the because they were making a big deal about Jon snow being the the targaryen heir and we thought maybe the prince that was promised prophecy would have some kind of bearing on the story i mean the book series is called a song of ice and fire the only time that phrase is mentioned is you know he is the prince that was promised his will be the song of ice and fire and it seems to have nothing really to do with with the ending that D and D have have come up with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think in the show the the White Walkers are the uh, second plot, like the B plot, and uh, the Iron Throne is the A plot. And then in uh, the books, I think it's a little more flipped. So but, I think I, I think that John's just... focus will be more at King's Landing. 
But that just seems so counter to what we, I mean, yeah, I totally agree, but I, it seems like they're putting Cersei up as the big boss yep. um, for the last episodes. But right. you think that's, that feels so counterintuitive to the way the narrative has been produced as like the Game of Thrones being this sort of insignificant clash of, mm-hmm. of children compared to the looming threat, elemental threat, right. the existential feel, threat of winter. Right. But no, I've, the other yeah, I feel like for the books, that's definitely the case. I feel for the TV show, they it has as long since they have long since realized that people care much more about people. The general audience care much more about the actual human conflict compared to man versus not so much, not very man. Mm. Um, and that Cersei they found to be more compelling. Right. But at the same time, it's interesting to think that in the books, a, at least as of now, we've almost never seen the White Walkers. They definitely showed them a lot more on the show, even though they didn't end up being the big bad, which is the bizarre twist there. And that, you know, I mean, in the books, how many times have we actually seen White Walkers? Very, very few. They've given us a lot more scenes. Now, admittedly, we're further along. Maybe there will be more in, in the books in the next... I. And but right. I feel again that's the that's the difference between the others in the books versus the White Walkers. The others right. in the books are literally a force of nature, and that's the point. Right. Um, you, there's no character. There, it is just it is just literally winter. It is right. the the Stark going battle back to Stark where winter is coming. It's literally winter coming at you, and how are you going to resist a force of nature with your and amidst all your stupid little petty squabbles? Mm-hmm. And in this, fact. Yeah, Sorry. And, and George even said in his original outline that the whole third original book he was going to do was going to be, yeah, we've dealt with all of this other stuff and now we're fighting these this horde of zombies. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see if it what he actually comes up with now. <laughs> and like going all the way to the title of the, the, the TV show versus the books, the book is called A Sound of Ice and Fire. Right. The TV show is A Game of Thrones. True. That's, the, that's the, where the priorities lie. Mm, but, uh, getting true. back to Arya, and I'm sorry, I, I right because yeah, that's what we were supposed to be talking. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm completely indifferent about her killing the Night King. Like, I don't know, I, I can't even remember what my um, thought was when she did it. But like, I was like, I don't know, I, I wasn't angry, wasn't like, oh, she deserved to kill him. But I was more just like, I don't know, I was like, I was, I was expecting the episode to end with the Night King's death because I was like, didn't understand how they would be able to um, draw this out. <laughs> this battle out over more than one episode, just the way that um, the series, the season has been structured. So I was expecting him to die. And so I guess it was a nice twist. I wasn't expecting it to be Arya, but Mm -hmm. wasn't not expecting him to live, I guess. Uh (laughs) Well, I mean, I think there's also the question of, so we had our initial reactions when we, when Arya did it, we all were shocked and like, Oh my God. And people had their feelings about it then. And now we've had, at least we've had a couple of days to, to ponder it. So have your opinions changed? Like, I mean, for me, I was shocked at first and, and, and kind of happy about it. I enjoyed it. And I've kind of like with the, my thoughts on the episode in general, I've kind of fluctuated. First I was like, Oh, but that's too far. That's definitely not going to happen in the books. So I don't like it. And na- and after rewatching it, I, I kind of liked it because they did, at least they set it up in this episode. I, I'm okay with it. Now. Personally, if it had have happened at the very start of this episode, I would have hated it. But having seen her go through this whole episode and how she has had to use her wits to do it mm-hmm. and to outsmart the others and use her agility and knowing when to hide it 
felt so much less Mary Sewish than it would have otherwise if she had have done it. Mm -hmm. Because to begin with, I've never really liked or believed her story arc to become a faceless man. I've always been like, Mm -hmm. yeah, whatever about it. But having Arya actually kill the Night King, I really liked in this episode. And like how they portrayed her in this episode and how she did it. Yeah, it's not even so much. Go ahead, go ahead, Abby. Oh, I was just gonna say. I guess if you think about this episode as like its own movie, you know, like it's like a a contained movie. Mm -hmm. The the episode really does do a good job of building up like it to make sense that Arya does it, and so I'm not mad. But like, I I do feel I do understand people being like it literally came out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's not so much the the food that does it in the end and really matters is that yeah that's it <laughs> it's like oh you just mm-hmm. stop stop the main bad guy and then and that's the end of it all yeah yep mm-hmm. everything just goes into dust it's it's incredibly hollywood mm-hmm. what well, is interesting almost every major battle we've had on this show has had oh shit we're all losing oh my god oh my god and at the last moment someone comes in and saves the day and in this case it was actually someone who was at least there but we didn't see her and of course they deliberately like took the camera off her for a while so we wouldn't know that she's gotten there which which, which yeah. worked i mean I, I don't think it was were any of us not surprised by that 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 it was her i mean I can't imagine. I was more just like, that. really? They're go- that's where they're going with but, it? But surprise is my point. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Right. It, uh, I mean, it yeah, did feel... It was definitely well, well, I mean, one point, one point is like, I guess we're all expecting Danny or John to be the one to defeat right. the Night's King. So right. it's a surprise when Danny right. unleashes the full force of Drogon and it does nothing. Nothing. Um, and so it's a, you know, it's a surprise. It's a surprise that it's a little little kid that ends up, ends up killing him. But um, it did feel like a bit of a cheat that the, the way the Night King is defeated, the way this great civilization that has tormented man for like 8,000 8, years is kind of tricked by this little cool knife move. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, one thing I, I sort of realized afterwards, I don't know if it makes it better, but it, it kind of – the scene echoes um, the beginning of the series in an interesting way where – in the scene where Bran is going to be killed by the assassin in his bed and the wolf jumps out to protect him. And here it's like the same thing. So this assassin is walking towards Bran to stab him with the very same knife. And then right. a wolf jumps out and then stops him. I thought that was like a cool little um, echo. I don't know what they were trying to say with that, but it's kind of like maybe if we think of Bran as the thread Raven, like seeing time wrapping around itself mm-hmm. and, and all these complexities that only he can perceive, like maybe that's a little insight into his, his machinations or whatever. But, um, yeah. but I, I mean, I, it's, again, it's like, I don't, I don't know how to feel. Cause like, mm-hmm. I don't really know what's going to happen. Obviously like anything could really happen. Like, I don't know enough about the Night's King to know how it will be resolved. Maybe it will be a, a, something so small, and inconceivable that the Night King doesn't see it coming, or the, or the White Walkers don't see it coming, or whatever. But um, yeah, it's just not what I expected, and it, it feels strange that the final three seasons are going to be a regression to that the big boss will be Cersei and the Golden Company, who were introduced right. last episode. <laughs> right. that'll, who, no that'll be the finale. Who, of who the, no one who hasn't read the books and, even and, knows who they are. <laughs> and, and Euron, who, who's a pretty lackluster a villain right. in, in the in the in the TV show. In the uh, TV show, at least. Um, 
as opposed to the White Walkers, who have been the villain since the very first scene of the series. But say Levy. Do you think that Arya doing it feels earned on the show or no? I mean, they were hinting at it a bit, it seems, in this episode um, with Melisandre. And like I said, the idea of a character that sort of becomes one with death could somehow defeat death is an interesting, like, vein, narrative vein, that in, her, in, in, her, in a way her training with the faceless man was training her to defeat a foe that she'd never even realized existed until she met it. Um, so maybe, possibly, as, like, she was accidentally training for this all along. <laughs> and, and, you know, the Prince of Was Promised prophecy was a red herring. Like, that's, that's, that's an interesting possibility. Um, I don't know. Like, I feel like if it had been... <laughs> I feel like if the show was better or was written better, I would be more okay with this decision. But I don't know. It just feels the show just feels like a, a bit clumsy that that I'm more harsher on this decision. Yeah, at this point, I don't really care if it was earned or not. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm just I'm, I'm indifferent. Here's an interesting question. Maybe we all wondered why Jakanagar let her go a few seasons ago. Maybe he knew this was coming. <laughs> Just a thought. Just something Maybe. to consider. Uh, I mean, yeah, we don't really know the motives of Jack and Agar either. Right. I don't know. Okay, let's... Um, let's and that's, the thing. We, that's the thing. We don't know. We don't have any right, right. clarity <laughs> about why these things happened. Right, right. They just happened. Maybe we will. Maybe we, you know, How's this for amazing? Well, what if Jack and Agar shows up in the last episode or maybe even the next episode and goes, a girl did what she was supposed to or something to that effect. That would be pretty awesome. I think. Would you approve? That of would that be or? lame as shit. Okay, maybe not. Sorry. No, That's cool. we don't have to agree. No. Just a thought I had that just randomly popped into my head just now. So I don't know what there is to say about Aria. She just okay. saved the whole world. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> I don't know what she's going to do. I mean, she can take the rest of the year off. She doesn't really have any, yeah, it does make right? Me, yeah, I don't know. It, it, like, nothing it, can live up to this, it like, does make, even if she kills Cersei. Yeah. yeah, it does make me wonder what her her plot purpose is for the rest of this season, because if she also is the one that, like, assassinates Cersei, it's kind of like, okay, I guess Arya just does everything now, mm-hmm, but, right. um, it's like, I don't, yeah, I don't really know what her purpose is after this. I, yeah. I guess I was... I guess the surprise is like everyone was expecting her to kill Cersei. Right. Right. And because, because she killed the Night King, it's kind of like if she also kills Cersei, none of the other characters matter at all. Right. So, I mean, I don't think she's going to kill Cersei. I I wouldn't have said that last week, but. Okay. My expectations were very subverted and will continue to be, I guess, because now I have no idea how Cersei's going to be dealt Mm -hmm. with. Um, rather than Arya killing Cersei, I also, I'd really like it if Sansa kills Cersei now, because she, or be the reason for her downfall, because she's, especially earlier on, so much of Sansa's story arc revolved around Cersei, Mm -hmm. and Cersei had so much influence over her, so it would be really interesting if Sansa was Cersei's downfall. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have 
fi- after being stabbed a few times previously, Jora finally dies right in in Danny's arms. And again with the feels, I I, I did cry there again. I'm, I'm the tear. Yeah, guy. I got a bit misty when the dragon started to like whimper and curl around. Yeah. The crazy. Really? That was cool. I yeah. like that. You guys need to stop drinking and watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> I wasn't drinking. <laughs> it's yeah, a, it's an animal was, thing. I was actually. I, I have more sympathy for animals than humans. <laughs> yeah, I don't I, I was actually surprised I did not cry at all this episode. I think it's because I was drinking. Because I, I will cry. <laughs> I cry so easily. Like I, I, I was sobbing in the episode in the uh, chapter where Theon and Jane Poole like jump out a window because I was like so emotionally impacted, like mm-hmm. over something stupid. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I did not cry at all, and I. <laughs> I don't know. I I cry. I'll cry like when two characters become friends. I'm like, oh my gosh! Like they're so happy. Like I I I just I I, I did not cry at all during this episode though. Uh, well, no, I, I sort of not a tearjerker, but I will say as much as I've complained about this episode, I did find it like emotionally kind of exhausting. Just the sheer mm-hmm. carnage and the threat, like just the overwhelming odds against the character. And that final stab by Arya was just such a somatic release. Like, I just could not <laughs> get over the, the shattering of the, you know, just such a, like, violent reversal of fortune. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but, it, but in a good way, rather than the Fine. Red Wedding. It's like the reverse <laughs> right. of the Red Wedding. It's like the T-Rose are in dire straits. Um, I mean, which feels cheap, cheap because we get right. a bunch of, like, near deaths and then suddenly mm-hmm. a character is saved. And this is kind of like a macro version of that. But it's still, it still shook me. I'll, I'll admit it. It was well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was definitely emotionally invested, and I I was very sad when uh, Jorah died because I don't know show show Jorah. I, I feel a lot for him. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely more so than book Jorah. That's for sure. I feel like the last few moments of the and I, I would just keep counting down like are 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 we going to get another episode of this? Just <laughs> or where are we going with this? And then suddenly yeah. it all just ended. It's like oh yeah, that's oh, it. Huh? Oh. <laughs> yep, yep. I was I was definitely emotionally exhausted by the end of the episode, though. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I I didn't know what to feel. <laughs> mm-hmm. Were you people surprised that Melisandre just sort of took her brooch off and walked into the sunset, dissolving away as she went? She said she was going to die. I was like, why, why aren't you dead yet? Yeah, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I know. Well, she answered your question. <laughs> okay, yeah, her death was stupid. Yeah, I mean, I didn't expect her to. I didn't expect her to show up again. So, <laughs> her walking to the sunset didn't really mean that much. Yeah, well, yeah. I wish Davos had killed her, or she had burned, or I thought her death was so stupid. I I really and, and liked didn't it. Didn't do anything. See, I yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's Leonard Nimoy all over again. It's like my work here is done. You didn't do anything. <laughs> right, right. That's why I came up with my theory of maybe she made a deal with Rulor and like. Yeah. But after the Night King died, she would die as well. Just like, maybe, I don't know. Well, I don't even think it's a deal so much. I feel like she just knew this is my purpose. This is what I'm still around for. Like, she's this old. All the time we've seen her, she's had no other purpose than to fight this battle. She fought it, and that's the end of her. That's what that's what she has to do. There's no reason for her to stay around for another 100,000 or whatever years. So that's it. She's done. I've served yeah. my purpose. I she won. Agree. She yeah. served her god. How does she die? <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. She deserved to die. Like she should have died, and like yeah. her death made sense. But but the the means that her death occurred in was 
so pointless and just unfulfilling. I, I don't know. I, I just, because I felt like she shouldn't have been able to die on her own terms, I guess. I still don't understand how he died. She died. <laughs> she Period. I wanted her she to sacrifice and disintegrated. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I feel like she was. I think it would have been better if she did sacrifice herself, though. Yeah, like, it would have. I guess felt more with, I guess she withdrew her glamour or whatever that protected her body from the cold or the elements or whatever, and just let nature have at it. It's just like she didn't learn anything, and that's why that's why I agree with Sarah that she should have sacrificed herself, or or I think that maybe Davos should have gotten some justice because. She, her dying on her own terms it was like i i feel like her the point of her character is like she believes that the ends justify the means and then she basically learns that the ends justify the means right well cool you could argue <laughs> you could argue sometimes they do whether you should burn a little child maybe not but you know everything she did she did for what she thought was the greater good she wasn't just greedy or selfish she she was doing what she thought her God wanted her to do. If you're going to take the scientific question of how did she die? Well, that doesn't make any sense. Cause even if she was old and being kept young, you know, she, we saw her as an old lady. We didn't see her as dust. So I think it was just that the Lord of lights magic that was in her kept her alive and it's not in her anymore. So she's, she's done. Sure. And I think that's what they were going for. At least. I mean, whether you think that's deserved or not, we, you know, that's up to it. I, I personally liked it. I thought it made sense for her character. Okay. <laughs> okay. Still don't understand how she died. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't understand. I mean, it, it just, it's magic. Magic doesn't have to make physical sense, right? I mean, how do you have, uh, how do you have blue fire coming? How do dragons even fly? It doesn't make any sense, but. Um, dragons have wings. I think she, yeah. I think she died because she heavy. was so old that, that when she didn't have the glamour anymore, like she had like two seconds to live before her body was out. Right. So I guess I think yeah. So. Yeah. And as well, like she died walking into the sunrise, so died walking into Ralor's arms. There you go. So. Yes. Like okay, anyway, whatever. It's okay. not important. Let's let's talk a little bit about just in the end. So now first of all, did did most Everyone had their own thoughts of whether this would be the end of the Night King and whether it would continue. You know, I know certainly I felt like it would make no sense to have Cersei as the final boss. So we'd have to have, like, you know, like like Duncan said, them escaping away and, and running away and, and then we'd have more. But did, did most of you think that was going to happen or did you think that it – what did you think? Just the way the story was structured, this was the only way it could happen at this point, <laughs> right? Well, the moment that they, 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 just, they had the sort of the battle beyond the wall episode, I feel like that's this is the way the story is headed towards. They, they decide that they have to deal with the White Walkers for the mm-hmm. White Walkers first, and then they, they'll come back and sort out stuff in the Seven Kingdoms. That's the narrative yeah. choice they made back then. I mean, it's frustrating because I feel like Danny could have defeated Cersei last season. Yep. Like, she was at King's Landing with yeah. two dragons, an army of Unsullied. Cersei had no army. She could have done it right there and then. So the idea yep. of her suddenly becoming the final boss seems a bit unearned or a bit awkward. I don't know. It's like we're going back to a previous storyline or something. I, I wouldn't Sorry. mind it if the fact that there weren't three episodes left, like if it was just one more episode... Because I just I don't understand how they're gonna yeah. stretch that out when they could have stretched out this battle for a lot longer, mm-hmm. or like done a cutaway where the battle 
ended, you know, um, at Winterfell, cut away, does some, do some shit with Cersei, then cut back to the battle that's still going on at Winterfell or something in the next episode. So yeah. I'm just a little confused and worried for how they're going to right. allot the proper amount of time. I mean, we have four hours I'm- left. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Maybe sorry. we'll get an episode of of uh, Dario trying to like manage Marine. <laughs> <laughs> do, mm-hmm. do you like Cersei as the big big bad final boss of of Game of Thrones? What do you think? I don't I don't mind her. I I don't know. I I think that in the show she's a, a worthwhile opponent, I guess. Mm-hmm. And a lot of characters' plots kind of are central to hers, or she's central to a lot of characters' plots, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so she narratively fits in, I guess. I just I hate that freaking wig. Every time I see it, I don't know. I just feel like her storyline's played out. Like her yeah. character's not really going anywhere else, and the characters mm-hmm. around her aren't particularly interesting. Mm-hmm. Like Euron and the general of the Golden Company and Kyburn. Like right. it's not the Gregor. most compelling cast. Gregor. Yeah. Um, and the mute, the mute giant. Right. I mean, to me, it just feels so anticlimactic now. We've just fought the dead. We fought everything that we've been fighting for years against, for thousands of years. And now we're going to take on some queen in the Golden Company who, yeah, whatever. I mean, like Danny it's almost like an epilogue. Yeah. It's almost yeah. like tying up loose ends. It's Four like, hours. okay, we're finally going to see the game ball. We're going to see Jamie strangle mm-hmm. Cersei, blah, blah, blah. And then they're going to implement the new Targaryen dynasty. Yeah, but it's all after the climax, right? It's like the the post canon like fan fiction where you know someone wants to wrap up all the loose ends, but it's not yeah. fan fiction. It's the the actual canon. Right. <laughs> um, I guess the thing is that Cersei at least has a character, and people are attached to her, whereas the Night King has no True. character. Fair point. Fair point. <laughs> I guess for me, it feels weird that we didn't really lose any major characters in this battle. Yeah, you could say a couple. We we lost Jorah and we lost Theon, but neither of them have really been major characters, at least for a while. So now we're going to, I mean, presumably we're going to lose a few more characters, I would think. So wait, they survived the dead, but Cersei or or Euron takes them out? Like, that would feel weird. Like, if you know, if, if Jaime dies... Yeah. From Euron, I'm going to be really pissed off. You know? <laughs> yeah, if a dragon gets taken out by Cersei or Euron rather than Night's King, it's going to feel a bit lame. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything anything you want to say about the future or predictions, or should we just wrap it up? I mean, uh, on the flip side, I kind of do enjoy the the Game of Thrones side more, even mm-hmm. if I wasn't expecting it. So you know, it yep. might, they might be more enjoyable episodes for all I know, even if it didn't quite fit the the mold I thought was going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, also, I'm also wondering if my reaction to the Night King death is just a general <laughs> sort of postponed reaction to how I think what I'm going to feel when the series is over. And it's like, oh God, it's over. I have nothing yeah. more to right. to like look forward to. Or is the fandom going to like just waltz, wander out into the snow and fall over? <laughs> we'll, we'll, all be, we'll all be Melisandre. Well, of course... It's like, we're so... Let- we're so used to like not getting an ending. What if we actually get one? <laughs> right. On the other <laughs> hand, we, we still have another what twenty years for the next two books to come out. So <laughs> right, right. We have that to look. I mean, that's to. the other scary thing. What is? What if this is the only ending? Not mm-hmm. scary. I'm being melodramatic. But what yeah. if? What if this is the only ending we get? 
Yeah. That's been a threat for years now. <laughs> yep. Well, we'll see if any books come out <laughs> right. in the next five years. Right. Oh, and on that cheery note, <laughs> let's wrap this up. You can find us online by searching for VOK Podcast or Vassals of Kingsgrave in your favorite search engine or on iTunes, archive.org, YouTube, Stitcher, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and all your favorite dating apps. Feel free to leave comments and likes and to subscribe. But if you really want to join in the discussions and if you'd like to join the podcast at some point, look for us on the podcast of Ice and Fire forums. Uh, does anyone have any upcoming podcasts that you'd like to pimp out? So, like I mentioned, we're going to be recording a fi- uh, an Ice and Fire Con recap this weekend. And we also cool. did our first ever VOK uh, panel at the Con, which I recorded. So, nice. I'll release that in the future as well. Mm-hmm. Nice. I mentioned previously there will be a Doctor Who uh, first reactions podcast once i get to edit it after this one of course (laughs) um so that's coming up at some point once i get off my butt and of course we still have dragon cast and wolf cast and kraken cast continuing every week and our linear reread i guess that's it so thanks everyone i'd like to thank everyone for joining us i'm david and thank you to our hosts duncan sarah bing neil abby and briefly donna bye 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 Kraken. <laughs> dead, not dead, etc. Right, right. Duncan, let's talk a little bit briefly about your journeys in America. I luckily got to run into you, which was kind of cool. I bust to New York, and yeah, we had a we had a little mood over uh, a little mood over trivia. Yeah. <laughs> I was very impressed. You like wasn't it like a five hour bus ride or something, something like that. Yeah, but actually, getting there was actually pretty fast. Yeah. It was getting home that took forever. We I hit traffic, and I didn't get a direct bus, which sucked. So I had stops along the way, and I didn't get much sleep. But whatever. Yeah. When else am American I going to get to traffic meet you? Is, American traffic's pretty crazy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Probably, when else am I going to get to meet you? you know? Right. So you yeah. never know. So it was once in a, you know, not only that, but, you know, we, we all had fun. We, we got to get together. Um, for those who don't know, uh, we met at a bar and did a trivia contest. And um, it was hashtag Greg, Zach, Julia, Duncan, and I. We came in third, and hashtag Greg's still bitter about it, I'm sure, but that's fine. But we love you. We did well, I think. I was happy with it. And we had a fun time, which was we the best came, It was Game of Thrones trivia. We came third. I think we 16. lost by two points. Right. Um, but out of 16. I think it was the second... I think it was the second round that killed us, though, because it was a list of like twenty quotes from the show, right. and we had to attribute it. And I, did, I think I think we only got maybe a quarter of them because, um, right? I think yeah, most of us have probably only haven't rewatched uh, the later seasons since they aired, so right. we were a bit rusty on those. But we did we did pretty well on the other on the other rounds. We lost by two points out of sixteen teams. That's pretty good. I'll take it. We did much better in the um, 
Ice and Fire Con trivia. I um, bet. <laughs> but, but you can hear about that for the recap next right. episode. You know, one of the funny things about the moot is I was going to wear my I Drink and I Know Things shirt because I thought, well, that's appropriate for trivia, oh, yeah, right? You, In a bar. You told me. You, you told me. You told me, yeah. And then – um, thought that heaps of other people would be wearing exactly, it. Exactly. I figured it seems the obvious, especially – plus, um, like, a lot of big stores are selling those shirts, uh, Target and a yeah. few others here. So I thought for sure everyone would be wearing it. And then no one yeah. did, but I, ha- I still had I – th- I thought it was somewhat appropriate. I don't think anyone noticed it, though, is I had wh- I had this – one I bought, which I think was a bootleg, I didn't realize at the time, um, and it had Jon Snow and several of the other characters, most of whom are dead now. It had, I think, Sam and I don't remember, Renegade, but it has the you know nothing on it. So I thought that would be fun for trivia, kind of a tease to the other teams, but I don't think anyone mm-hmm. even saw it. So, oh, well. <laughs> so then from there, you went to L.A. and you had two boots, right? Yeah, um, we uh, met up the first week I was there and went to the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum, cool. which is and a really who, cool And who'd you meet up cool with? Cool place. Uh, met up with um, Amber, who traveled down from Seattle, mm-hmm. and Hannah and Sarah, who were both locals. And we went to the museum and we went out to lunch. And then we just finished off by having a walk along the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Cool. Checking out all the celebrities. So that cool. Was fun. And don't forget what you did. On the Walk of Fame. Oh, uh, yeah. We we, uh, we got uh, – there was someone who could um, – uh, I don't know what the official <laughs> job is. But they had uh, <laughs> letters that they could, they could set up um, whatever typeface you wanted on one of the Hollywood uh, stars. So we had the person write out Vassals of Kingsgrave. And we got a we got a cool photo in front of it, which is really yeah, yeah. fun. That was that was Hannah's idea. Very memorable. I'm sure that's nothing official. I think that's like some guy just has a bunch of them out there and it's like, hey, let's make some money off of this and they and the city doesn't stop them. That would be my guess, but whatever. Well, Who I cares? guess they have to have a blank they have to have a blank star though to do it. So I'm right. sure they need some kind of permit. But, well, they're yeah. prob- there may just be a star there and they use <laughs> you know, they might be getting ready for the next right. one or whatever, but whatever. Right, right, right. It was fun. Yeah. And then yeah. you had another one a week later because Bina came to jo- to town, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so me and Hannah went to the La Brea Tar Pits, uh, and then we met up with uh, Bina for uh, for dinner at a really nice Italian place. And we also did a little Skype chat with a few other vassals <laughs> cool. uh, that evening, which was fun. And then the final moot was in Washington, D.C., uh, where I met up with Casey and Matt and a few other um, A Song of Ice and Fire fans. And we went out to trivia again. Cool. And um, Was it the same company yeah. or a different one? <laughs> no, it wasn't, it wasn't Game of Thrones trivia. It was just oh, okay. a local pub trivia. And we, okay. didn't, we didn't do as well as the Game of Thrones trivia. Of course. <laughs> it was still fun. I was useless because they were all American-based questions. And the one Australian question they had, I had no idea what, <laughs> what the answer was. Of course, right? Although I do now. I, I won't forget it now. The question was, um, what, what is the only profession where it's legal to own a rabbit in the state of Queensland, <laughs> which, is a, which is an Australian state? Yes. And the answer is the answer is magician. Huh, um, that makes sense. Because <laughs> – um, Rabbits, are, it's it's illegal to own rabbits in that state because they're oh. such a vermin to, to farmers. Ah, yeah. Uh, so, so now I know. Cool, cool. Yeah, just the benefit of trivia. You get you get trivial image, (laughs) trivial information, and you you never forget it. It's stored away for future use. So, who did you moot with? So it was uh, Casey and Matt, who's Blue Armor on the forums. Mm -hmm. So they're vassals, and then uh, another guy named John, who's a regular at Ice and Fire Con, and a girl named Eliana, who's a who's a podcaster for a different podcast about a song of Ice and Fire. Cool, cool. 
And then you went to Ice and Fire Con. Yeah, so it was a three-day event, and it was pretty much nonstop all three days. There was so I much bet. happening. I bet. Panels, dances, board games, jousting, performances, music, plays, just heaps and heaps of things. And it was my first time there, so I really had no idea what I was expecting. <laughs> right. But I'd listened to all the previous Ice and Fire Con recaps, and I was always so jealous right. on the other side of the uh, world hearing how, how much fun people were having. So I, I really mm-hmm. wanted to make just one. And um, I was in America for some research conferences for uni, and it just worked out that they were close in proximity and, mm-hmm. and sort of time frame to uh, Ice and Fire Con. So it was a perfect opportunity. And um, yeah, and it was a great time to go because it was the final season of the show and <laughs> Fire and Blood had just come out. So there was a few talks about those two topics. And yeah, it was a blast, not just cool. the events, but also just, just being able to hang out with people right. um, Which vassals, outside of the podcast. Sorry. Which vassals um, got, were there? So I went there with, so me, Casey, Zach and Greg um, drove up there. Mm-hmm. And then there was um, uh, Matt, Blue Armor, who I'd seen earlier in the week. Mm-hmm. Adam came down, drowned snow. Oh, cool. That was it. Was his first con as well. Nice. And uh, FT Ward, who's a regular at mm-hmm. the con. Mm-hmm. Sky Walter Scott, who's on a lot of the comic book podcasts. Mm-hmm. Dan Whitless Chum mm-hmm. was there with his sister. He's another staple of the of the con, and he also helped us out. Me and Casey with our live panel, and um, Alex was there. Uh, who's named Lucky Charms on the forums. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, there was a few other vassals and just cool. lots of people just from the fandom in general. So there was right. History of Westeros and the people from Radio Westeros and right. uh, Davos Fingers and yeah, lots and lots of different people. Yeah, I, I was jealous. I wanted to go, but I just couldn't make it happen this year. Maybe next year. It's It was so weird because I kept like hearing people who I recognized and seeing their faces and vaguely recognized mm-hmm. them like Twitter and things like that. But it was, it was so cool to have everyone in one place. And right. Yeah. Well, that, that was that one of the much, reasons why I came and, and passionate about the books. It's really cool. That was one of the reasons why I came out to see you guys. It was just any chance to see everyone. Cause I mean, even though some of us only live a few hours from each other, it, it's always when like Bino or you come to town, it's one of those things that everyone gets together for. So I was like, yes, I wanted to meet you, which I do and, or did. <laughs> and, um, but I, you know, everyone was there. I, you know, I, I'd only actually met, Greg before because he was at Boston Moot, but um, I hadn't met Zach or Julia, and and um, we were bummed that Mikal wasn't able to make it because she had hurt herself before that. But it would have been great to meet everyone. But even then, it was a great time, and I'm glad. So it's one of the things like it's weird because we're all friends from like around the world, and most of us have never met or once or twice, and it's it's kind of a cool thing about this podcast, I think. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a unique situation to like get to know someone by their voice or by mm-hmm. like by typing yeah. messages to them so, so it's weird to actually like have have that many conversations with a person and but then still be meeting them for the first time right right kind and of, in some cases you don't even discussion. know what they look like right in some cases i don't know who yeah. people look like and i've it, had dreams about people that i've never actually don't even know what they look like it's weird <laughs> and it, it can take a few minutes for like the two things to th- synthesize but then it mm-hmm. feels super comfortable and you, it feels like you're with old friends right so, yeah it was really exactly. it was really fun exactly yeah, I was, I, was, I was glad I did it. It was really good. 